Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I'm so excited. Welcome back to NBA All-Star Saturday night. Uh, enjoy the dunk contest this weekend. We're here on the Hickory Basketball Court. You know, the amazing thing is that basketball ring here in Indiana, it's the same height as it is in New York City and every other place in this country. Jimmy, uh, I would say that's a, that's a good dunk. Oh, Yeah, isn't that something? Oh. oh, the crowd didn't like that. They didn't. Mm. I like it, but that's an in-game dunk. Oh, oh my goodness. He did it too easy that time. I think we I got to see it again. I got to see it again. So your 2024 AT&T Slam Dunk champ is Matt McClung. All right, give it up one more time, everybody, for your AT&T Slam Dunk Champion. Thank you for that tepid applause. Kenny, I'll begin with you as you canvas tonight. What are your thoughts? Dunk contest, it's a cyclical event. Hmm. Mm. Getting Lascarola tonight. There you go. I'm so excited. The Arbiata, a great dish. Cool. Cool. Cool, cool. One, two, three. Here we go, Tim. Here we go. Here we go, Tim. Here we go, Tony. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Oh, what a weekend it was with some Lascarola. All-star festivities and more. Did you say Arbiata? It's a Rabiata, right? Whatever it is. Okay. Was it delicious? Yeah, it was delicious. Good. One of their spicy pastas over there. Yeah, very nice. Absolutely. I'm happy for you. It's fantastic. Thanks for it's letting fan- us know. No problem, man. How are you, nine days of the bachelor life? Nine days of bachelor life. She was gone for five, expected back. Then it rained in Southern California, and everybody's panicking. So I got four more days, man. Congrats on all your success. I think I've come through the other side. I, like, did so many self-destructive, like, distraction things the first four or five days. And now I've started taking good care of myself. It's a good (laughs) sign. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you for that tepid congratulations there, Adam Silver. How about that? This guy made a way to make the open, the dunk contest, and make it sound good. Incredible. Just the dunk sounds. Yes. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. And all the broadcasters going, "Mm." (laughs) Like how Michaels. Was, Was it on the radio? Was the dunk contest on the radio? Somewhere live? I don't know. Those rims were mic'd up, though. 
That was, like, that, that was like your doink cam or yeah, whatever it was. I got it there. This segment, by the way, is sponsored by the Chicago Golf Show. Dunk contest was on ESPN 1000. That's why they got rid of Nielsen. <laughs> okay. Because they knew there you go. it's not going to rate. Oh, there my you go. God. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it was. that was not the best version of what I have called my favorite sport, guilty pleasure. The dunk contest? The whole thing. I mean, the, the, the three-point contest three and, point Steph, and Steph v. Sabrina was, was good, but the all-star game specifically oh, was not, what? what's the word I'm looking for, watchable. Why did they get rid of the Elam ending, which was a good idea? They should just experiment with that game every freaking year. They got rid of, like, the 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 drafting of by the friends and the teammates and the enemies. Yeah. They got rid of all the all this stuff, and, and then it sucked again. Because people were talking about, like, oh, it's been so long. Like, Two years ago, the final score was 163 to 160. They cared at the end. Yeah. The one in Chicago was 157, 155. And was that the Elam ending day? Yeah. 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 It was great. Basically, yeah. It was, it was awesome. That's all I want. All I want is enough. like eight to ten minutes in the fourth quarter where they give a crap. Yeah. Like, that's all. Yeah. It's a low bar, and they couldn't hit it. They couldn't even approach it. They didn't even – these guys have – High vertical leaps, and they did not even get into the vicinity of that bar. Yeah, that was tough. But most watched NBA broadcast of the year, over five and a half million people. Oh, yeah. Oh, massively successful television product. That is not going to make those people watch again. I don't I, think well, if I, some of them were first timers. I think it's still the second lowest it's ever been, but it's up from last year. And yeah, it's not. I, I can't. I, as someone who is an aficionado of the game, who loves the game, who loves the spectacle and the ridiculousness and all of it, I can't defend that product. Wasn't Steph and Sabrina cool, though, man? I was, was so excited for it. It should it be great. It should be best two out of three. It was over too fast. If you're going one-on-one, it's got to be best two out of three or something. That Yeah, I, I think it would, for what it was, it was spectacular, though. Like, for new event, new showcase, prove some things to some people who maybe didn't know, I thought, mm-hmm. I thought that was by far and away the best part of the entire week. So did I. And I, she's, she's cool. Like she was great. She was mic'd up early on in like the pregame. Yeah. And you know, the wife's out of town. I was watching all-star Saturday pregame. Oof. Yeah. That's tough, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm embarrassed. Just saying it out loud. You should be, you know, but there's a, there's a baseball game on Thursday. There, oh. I saw it on the scores list. I don't even know who's playing. I think it's the Dodgers or somebody. It's like, probably so, one of the, the Cubs or White Sox. N- nope. Okay. Cubs game on Friday. Friday, Friday. Right here, but there's a baseball game on Thursday. Oh, hell yeah. That's right. Tanny, I saw it listed among the scores. I was like, look at that. So two baseball teams playing a game. Or we could just talk stadium. Well, <laughs> th- th- listen, I-, I find myself as an interested observer in the back and forths and transition here because I don't find myself agreeing with any of you, <laughs> to be honest with you. like I, I think that like, I don't agree with when Lauren says the stadium is fine. I think that it's about time for a new stadium based on how old and not special it is. And the new owner will want a new stadium. Mm-hmm. And so then I find myself agreeing with Dan when it's like, okay, well then pay for it. But I don't agree with like the pragmatism of that, that most owners, even the richest ones get public funding. And I certainly don't agree that like the majority of sports fans in this town would be happy if the White Sox just up and left. I know people say I'm done and they quit their team and we got texters who say I'll help Jerry pack his bags. But even in a down year with terrible attendance where they had the biggest drop of attendance as any team in baseball, still more than 20,000 people a night went out there for a dog crap product. And if the product was better, there would be more people at, at the place. And at some, sometimes the product has been better. Mm-hmm. So 
I do think that if they left and they became the Nashville White Sox under new ownership and they were good, that would hurt. I, and you would miss them. I think it absolutely would. And I think there's a very loud minority who, with toughness, including our guys, say, go, screw you, get out of here. And then I, they'd be bummed. And I think it's an understandable place for those people to be. But I think we, we're, we've watched it play out in Oakland over the last decade where people stopped going because the team sucked and they weren't trying the right way and the stadium fell into disrepair and it was an embarrassment. And then even last year when they decided to show up to try and spin it on its on its edge, what, they have 35,000 people there? At a game. At a game to yeah. try and show that they still cared. And now the team is gone and it's a fractured thing, and you got some Oakland baseball fans holding on with dear life, like, oh, maybe the Vegas deal will fall through, and maybe they will stay, and maybe blah, blah, because some new owner just doesn't give a crap. You know, yeah. like, that's that's the fate. That's the fate that's that's out there in front of White Sox fans, and I don't think I don't think the majority of them would say, good, go, I'm done with you. I, I don't believe that. Some will. Some will. S- some will. And that's an incredible level of sports cynicism that they have – put into that fan base and that is earned and deserved. And it's been like the worst thing I've ever seen in terms of a fan base feeling away about its own team over these past three years for worst thing I've ever seen in this town. So maybe it's more that way than any other situation, but I still think overall it's not got a good polls position today at three o'clock. We're coming up. This guy's got an incredible story and he just won a life changing race. William Byron, the Daytona 500 champ next on the score. And the Daytona 500. Race winner will be the 24. We'll need the 24 to start finish line. Goes to victory lane, William Byron. It's his 11th career win. Started out playing video games, racing on his computer. Says, Dad, I want to try this. Oh. They came to Charlotte and hopped in legend cars. He started winning all the way to NASCAR. One in Truck Series Xfinity Champion. Now, Daytona. William Byron goes to capture the flag. How does Daytona 500 champion sound to you right now? It sounds really damn good. It's uh, this thing's an awesome crowd coming out. Um, Daytona 500, it's freaking awesome. Let's go. And we are thrilled to be joined by William Byron. He's on the Circus Sports Illinois hotline. Download the Circus Sports app today. Your newest Daytona 500 champion. William, congratulations. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So is this a your life changes overnight type of moment? <laughs> it definitely feels like that. I feel like everything I've been able to, to see and do over the last 24 hours has been really special. And there's so many different aspects of the race. And um, it, it is really special for sure. I, I didn't really understand the full magnitude of it until, you know, witnessing it. So it's pretty cool. So what's the craziest thing? Like, who's the person you heard from or the, oh, my God, I guess this is a big deal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just the amount of, I guess, people reaching out and the, the amount of people that watch the race is what is um, kind of amazing and um, and that, that know about it. That's the cool part is that it's a very well-known uh, race. So I think that's that's been the cool thing. So you avoided a 20-car pileup. You had a caution flag at the end. Um, is it as thrilling as you pictured winning this race, or was it kind of weird because of all the stuff that was going on? Yeah, I think um, it it was uh, it was a crazy sequence. I mean, 
typically in the 500, the last 10 laps is uh, the most treacherous. And But if you're not in position in the last 10 laps, you don't have a chance to win. So you have to you have to put yourself in those spots and be towards the front to have a chance. And um, if, you know, you just hope that things work out your way. So I feel like the first, you know, 10 to go was intense. And then the last restart was um, kind of a chess match with the lane choice and everything like that. You said it was a chill day uh, yesterday that you walked across the street to get lunch before the race. What, what did you get? What did you get when you walked across the street? And is that your new lucky meal? William. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just um, pretty relaxed most of the day, but yeah, I just went over and got some Jersey mics before the race. So <laughs> that was, uh, that was pretty nice. <laughs> have, have they reached out? Do you have a relationship with them yet? I mean, what are you doing? No, I, I don't, but I would love to <laughs> smart man. You gotta be open to any and all patches, sponsorships, the whole thing. Uh, the latest <laughs> Daytona 500 champ, William Byron is on the show. So you're now a legend for any kid who tells their parents, I don't want to do my homework. I'm just going to play video games. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what, I mean, my parents always said that too. And my, my dad was actually the one that had my back on that. He would, he would, uh, he would let me come home and, and I race for most of the afternoon, but then the, the schoolwork had to be done at some point. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of a new wave of, of how, you know, just my generation's mostly digital. And, um, you know, I, I guess I'm the last year of, uh, or I'm the first year of Gen Z. So there's a lot of people out there that, um, a lot of gaming. So you literally learned how to drive through iRacing? I did. Yeah. I, I watched racing on TV for years growing up and then iRacing was my first Avenue. I heard, Dale Jr. and Landon Castle talking about it, and they were really high on it. They they felt like it was really realistic, and anyone can get on iRacing, so it's you know just a subscription, and uh, you just have to have pretty good internet. But it, you race against real life competitors, so it's pretty interesting. Yeah, so I, I mean, you won a hundred iRaces, two hundred ninety eight top five finishes. So that's that's a yeah. lot. Of, that's a lot of iRacing, William. Uh, help us understand. Yeah. Is it like? Does it look like pole position? Does it look like Mario Kart? I mean, what are we? What are we dealing with? What what game does it look like, no, if mean, any? It's it's a very realistic game. So I feel like you know the physics and everything are are modeled and scaled and laser scanned. So they laser scan the tracks and all the bumps and different aspects of the track are very real. So um, it's always been known for, for the realism aspect. And um, yeah, it was really, for me, I would get on there every afternoon and, and race four or five races a night. So it was, it was almost every day for a few years. So when we had this big NASCAR race in Chicago last year, William, and uh, and, and, and a lot of those, a lot of those guys had, had driven the simulator of it because it was a brand new track first time ever. So is that, that commonplace now? Do you drive simulators before you get to a place that you might not have raced before? I do for sure. I mean, my team, we go to the simulator um, almost every week. So we spend time in the Chevy Sim going through setups, working through different tracks. And I do that on my own time too, with iRacing at home. So it's just kind of a balance of all the different tools to try and learn what you're going to have when you show up to the racetrack. So we're talking to Daytona 500 champion, William Byron. So are you awesome at Mario Kart though? <laughs> That's a good 
question. I'm not great at it. I'm usually mid-pack, but I love it. It's addicting for sure. It's one of my favorites. But so you're you're middle of the pack <laughs> at Mario Kart. Those blue shells will get you, man. You're the Daytona yeah. 500 well, I, need the I have I have to have the Wii steering wheel. If I have that, it's, it's good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just bought that for my son, and it's the one game I can beat him at. And it's super exciting, you know? So it is fun. Well, what do you have to do? What do you need some tips? I mean, can I help? How can we help you? Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. I, I feel like I struggle with the getting the, the upgrades and knowing when to use them. But yeah, it's not a factor when you're actually behind a car. Right. Do you, do you, yeah. fi- do, you, do you find yourself when you're driving with us mere mortals on the road? Are you, do, are you like a road rage guy? Do you struggle riding shotgun? Are you judgmental? How, how are you day to day with your driving? Uh, I'm typically pretty patient, but I just don't like to, um, I don't like to like waste time in the car or be late. So I, I'm, I guess I have a little, like, a little bit of road rage every now and then, but yeah. I try not to. But it comes out. Well, I mean, Naturally. you must you must look down condescendingly on every driver that you see. Like none of us know what I we're definitely doing. Definitely mess with some people on the road, but how do you mess with them? Oh, just all the tricks, all all the uh, <laughs> racing tricks, boxing them in on the road and things. But. But yeah, I try not to use all all of the things. But if it uh if it gets competitive out there, definitely definitely have to mess with people. So now you said this is a, a kind of a change your life overnight type of event. It's obviously a huge year for your for your team. What are you hoping that this catapults you you forward to for the rest of the year or your career or anything like that? What's what's this going to be a springboard for you for William Byron? Yeah, I think we'll just have to see where where it takes us, but I think that this race is, is on it, stand on, on its own. So I think that it's, it's one of those races that I thought to myself, um, actually in the last few laps, just how you sometimes don't get another opportunity at this race. So I think, you know, it means a lot and there's a lot of more things to accomplish this year. And for us to, to go out and be competitive every week is, is a real challenge and something you have to put a lot of emphasis on. So, uh, there's a lot of work to do, but, I feel like this is obviously a great start to the year and um, we'll always remember this race and be able to look back on it. Man, it's awesome to get to talk to you. Congrats. I, last thing, what, what, what hurts in your muscles or is it the brain from the concentration after a race like that? Yeah. Athletically speaking, what, what gets the biggest workout? Yeah, I think your shoulders and um, just holding the steering wheel and, and pushing the pedals with your, your legs. I'd say that's, you know, really your whole body, but, um, just kind of holding yourself in, in the seat is, is a challenge and trying to stay fit for the entire race and, um, have the, the stamina to last the entire race. Well, congratulations, man. Thank you for making the time and thank you for, uh, yeah. giving gamers everywhere the excuse not to do their homework. Thank you, William. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Let's play some Mario Kart with that guy. Next Middle time. Middle of the pack, Mario Kart. Guy. Yeah. Doesn't that's, know, that's humiliating. Doesn't know how to use the power-ups. <laughs> Wanted Who's tips. Who's the president? Byron. Who? Byron. Byron. What's up to Byron? What's up, Byron? <laughs> Could have asked him. Oh, God. Go watch the Netflix doc, the, the new NASCAR one. Yeah, you yeah. love it. Incredible. Is it a, it's a is it a series like yeah it's the, like six like like F one yeah like it's like F1. six episodes yeah a mini series docu series whatever you call same, it same same company obviously it's Netflix uh, I'm, I'm not sure it had the same vibe 
So, so I'm assuming same production company, but this is their brand. Cool. This is Netflix's brand, man. Did it with golf, did it with tennis, Red Sox coming for the baseball regular season. Yeah, not really like live sports, but sports adjacent programming and maybe live sports. But they're yeah. doing they're doing um wrestling. They got they got Monday Night Raw. Right, that that was Netflix, right? The five billion dollar deal. Wow! So that that was their first big jump into live sports, but everything else has been the auxiliary full access. That program. was your last contract, right? Five billion bucks. <laughs> that deal, last deal you signed. That's the White Sox ask from state yeah, government. Yeah, you know, I'm just surprised that Jerry hasn't come to me yet <laughs> to finance it. Wait, did you get a million dollar deal? I wish. He did. I wish. He did. Yeah. Oh, I miss Joe Kelly. Oh, yeah. I miss him. He's doing good, man. Yeah. He's uh, he's a happy boy. Resigned. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. You said that like you were at brunch with him yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me and Joe? Joe, yeah. You're having bottles of mimosas. He, he, he got the French toast. You know, he <laughs> went with the, the French toast. French, French dose. dose. Yeah. French dose. Yeah. Hey, dude, what the hell doing. is that? I put acid in it. That's what it was. <laughs> That's how good he's doing. I just want to race, Daddy. <laughs> So were you buying that? You had a little skeptical look on your face when he said athletically, it's the legs from <laughs> from pushing on the pedals, the oh, shoulders I, from sure, staying in the seat. I'm sure it's very difficult. I, I think it is. Yeah, they're going Probably. fast. Yeah. You're going fast. It's a big piece of machinery. A lot of, a lot of centrifugal force and uh, wow. pushes and pulling and... All sorts of whiplash things. Oh, I love when you talk the, physics. The, the, what's it, the Hans device and all. I, I know I know a lot about it. Whiplash this is why things. this show works so well. <laughs> Danny was just able to tell our audience that the NASCAR guys go fast. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And they struggle zoom, with zoom. centrifugal force. Zoom, zoom. Vroom, <laughs> vroom. Vroom, vroom, zoom, zoom. The Hans device is a nice pull. Isn't that what it is? Yeah, Peoria Matt was thrilled I didn't ask him about the fear of a fiery crash. Good job that, by you. That would have been Holocaust-ish to ask yeah, no, Peoria Matt could be here tomorrow for the QB1 Town Hall, by oh! the way. He's coming all the way from where, Tanny? Is it Peoria? It's oh, Peoria, yep. it. That's where he's from. Man, Man. that's a tease for all you listeners out there. Stay tuned. You'll hear from Wani tomorrow. You'll hear from Wani tomorrow. A little little story that he told us that uh, we yeah. want to reference tomorrow as part very, of the show. Very relevant. Yeah. It is. Because this, tomorrow's going to be an interesting day. Because <laughs> some of us think that the debate is settled. Other people still want to have the debate. But it's going to be, it's just a, it's gonna be a, a chance for in-person feedback and participation. And uh, we got some ridiculous things planned and some fun things yeah. planned, and it'll be a good time. It's going to be a straight-up town hall. If you're here tomorrow as one of the attendees. And, and you want the mic. You want the mic. You'll get the mic. Shane will come over and uh, hand you the microphone. Which is a dangerous precedent that we're setting. <laughs> that we wanna... Anybody who shows up can get a microphone? Hey, man. It works for the producers and for us. You know, I... we show up. Here yeah. we are. Are you going to be able to wrestle the microphone away from them? Because like, once we give them the microphone... They now are holding the microphone. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to step up to me. You think you'll be stronger than every audience member who's there? Okay. I think so. All right, well, then I guess we're fine. Those are new dog muscles talking. Brother, we're going to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tease out there. Shane got a dog for his dog, and there has been some drama. That's exactly what I did. I know you did. (laughs) I know you, you love Willie so much that you got Willie another dog. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did, and she doesn't like it <laughs> at all. It seems like you kind of missed like your the, constituents there. It's like the pie of my face. She'll get used to it. She'll get used to it, but we could, we could talk about it. Um, but I don't think I Molly mean, – well, I think Molly would like this dog more than he likes the pie of my painting. Okay. Uh, he well, would let this dog sit in the studio. That's nice. You should have gotten Willie the pie of my painting. She might have loved it. Yeah, she might have. We don't know. We don't know. Cheaper. Uh, You're telling me. All right, for Paul's position – 
We are going to look at veteran free agents who tackle quarterbacks. Next on the score. Get in the pole position in Indy. The pole's position. It's time for pole's position. So the number one pick, by the way, for the Bears is secured. The Chicago Bears are on the clock. What will Ryan Poles do with the number one pick? I got a lot of confidence in our ability to see talent on the field. The human being, we got to figure out. We're counting down the days till the NFL draft. How about the number one pick with the Bears? Caleb Williams, the one thing that is clear, he is not special. Caleb and his group do not want to go to Chicago. Well, I'm a friend of Caleb's. I feel like he's a, a young version of Patrick Mahomes. So I got a call from the Caleb Williams camp, and they went, whoa, 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 We don't want to be painted as anti-Chicago. We don't want to go to a city that doesn't care. We don't want to go to some Sunbelt place where you tarp off the upper deck. This is a franchise where quarterbacks go to die. Field. Not sure yet. Not sure. M- maybe not working out. Bruh, where are y'all seeing this? Like, what makes him not the quarterback for the Chicago Bears right now? Holds position with Parkins and Spiegel on 670 The Score. With the first pick, the Chicago Bears select The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Afternoons on The Score. Every day at 3 o'clock, we try to get inside the mind of Ryan Poles about the draft and free agency and trades and quarterbacks. Tomorrow is our QB1 Town Hall. Got a nice little show put together. We got some big names that are going to be coming on. Olin Krutz is going to give us his first thoughts on Caleb Williams at 5 o'clock. Hasn't been on the score in several weeks, in fact, Olin Krutz. Looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, if you're in in attendance, uh, you, you get a mic if you want it. And Aurelios is hooking it up. So there's going to be food here. It's going to be a great time tomorrow, 2 to 6, on the score. If you're already planning on coming, you've already um, gotten the uh, the attendance designation, know that there will be pizza. So do, do we know what time? I don't know if that means uh, those listeners should skip lunch or skip dinner. I don't know. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. But there will be food here. Pizza. All by myself. Nobody else eats. Long as eat Michael's, pizza. Long as Michael's not here, you'll get some. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. But it's not all about quarterbacks. Tanny will be here, too. Everyone gets five minutes to sit in the control room with Tanny and press whatever buttons you want. Wow. Oh, wow. How big about offer, that, huh? Big offer. That's, yeah. That is Mitch pretty big. Mitch promised that personally. Wow. Okay. Really nice really nice guy. I'm taking tomorrow off in a related story. Oh, no way. The town hall? I mean, if someone's going to be pushing buttons every five minutes in Tanny's show, I only do shows from Tanny's This was your idea, dude. You're the you're the Justin Caleb Williams guy. <laughs> yeah, that that my idea for content was to talk about the quarterback situation in Chicago. It's true. It's true. It's nailed, why nailed why that. I'm in the top ten. Uh, so <laughs> that's so insulting to those of us who dropped out. Oh well, you know, but you're. I don't know. The stadium stuff will get us right back. Oh. I don't know. Baseball things that matter in spring training. Oh. We got that coming up. God. We got a lot. Of- I, I hate our love language. What a good teammate he is, right? Just <laughs> he, absolutely crapping on the things that we love. He is. A, is there a positive vibe I, in here right now? Kind of, Mark. It's just the way it rolls. Grody will be part. here tomorrow. Oh, yeah, Four yeah. o'clock yeah. hour for Mark Grody. He'll be here. You could be, throw things at him. His that'll, vibes are positive. That'll be exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Ed Rusher. Ed Rusher. What is it, Danny? It's not just a defensive end that we're talking about, probably in this defense, but edge rusher as a concept is is bigger than that. Well, in this defense, though, we are talking about a defensive line, right? That I assume you are not thinking that they're going to spend even more resources at linebacker 
after TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds went about as well as it could have possibly gone last year. I, I am not, but I wanted to make it clear as we talk about edge rushers to the listeners out there in a lot of it, 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 a lot of times as you're looking for lists of this stuff, they just list it as edge because it's either defensive end or outside linebacker. In the 4-3 in the Tampa 2 defense, yeah. this version of it, for sure, it's they want it to be somebody who can both set an edge as a defensive end and also unleash the pass rush moves. And sometimes you see them toggle back and forth between their guys. Who On can some do of the things. lists that out there, but I, but I think a distinction that we also should make here is, are we just talking about pass rush? Because there are defensive linemen that generate a pass rush who line up the vast majority of their snaps on the interior that would help tremendously where I could see them saying, we need to upgrade a pass rush other than Montez Sweat, uh-huh. and it doesn't really matter where it comes from. Like you've talked about Chris Jones being your dream. Sure. That's not an edge rusher. No, correct. He does line up sometimes at edge because he moves around, but he is a pass rushing defensive lineman. Without a doubt. And Christian Wilkins is another correct. Um, yeah. uh, out there, the Dolphin, who is expected to get a franchise. I was going to say, I'd be so, that, that's, and that's the other thing that we have to do. Here. So, anyway, those, those are two guys on the inside. Uh, but uh, I came into this thinking we were talking about DEs. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, I think that we should cross names off that people are going to see and ask about. Okay. Because, like like Josh Allen, for example. Josh Allen of the Jaguars, not the Buffalo Bills quarterback. Correct. Right. J- Josh Allen, Jaguars, uh, very good season last year. Uh, what, he had 19 sacks, right? 90 pressures. He was incredible. Top five pass rusher in the NFL. Last Only year. 27 years old, 6'5, 255. He's there. Think of him as their Jalen Johnson. Now, he was a first round pick, but like premium position, homegrown. Coming out of his first deal. Having the best season of his career. They're not letting him go. He will not hit free agency. It might get contentious. He might request a trade, uh, but he's going to get the franchise tag. All right. Can I go next? Brian sure. Burns of Carolina. They have rejected reportedly some ridiculous trade offers for him in the past, including multiple first round picks. 26 years old. He's six, not going anywhere. Six five two fifty. Crazy good suddenness, quickness, pass rush. I agree. He's not going anywhere unless they decide to work out a trade for some reason. Correct. Uh, and then the other guys that I would say for sure are not, I don't think Chris Jones is in play. And um, I don't think Christian Wilkins is in play. I do think that the guy, uh, Mare Buke, Justin Mare Buke mm-hmm. on the Ravens, I do think he's in play. It would be expensive. It's not a pure edge rusher, but it is a max effort pass rusher runs like defensive lineman talent. I just, I do I, think he's in play. I, th- I, th- I think they're gonna probably draft another one, and, but, but they like their interior line mix. I think they, they like yep. Dexter Pickens. I believe Justin Jones will be back and we know they love Andrew Billings who they signed to an extension. So they'll need more than that, but spending a bunch of money there or a high draft pick doesn't seem super likely. Okay, and he's not an edge, so we can we can cross him off for the experiment. So that cross him off then, right? Thank you. So does it get back to Daniil Hunter? I think Daniil Hunter is the top realistic target if they decided they wanted to spend 
legit money on a veteran edge rusher. 29 years old, 6'5", 263. He, he's got a really complete skill set, and he's entering his 10th season, but he's not even 30 years old yeah. uh, yet and has been very consistent and productive. He is excellent. It would surprise me a bit because of the redundancy with Montez Sweat if they went that old, frankly. I agree. That's what would surprise me about Daniil Hunter is that it strikes me as not pairing young and old and, in fact, going older than Montez Sweat and also very expensive. It's the type of thing that you can do when you've got a quarterback on a rookie contract Mm -hmm. and you've got some premium positions locked in cheap. Like, if you have receiver on rookie contract, uh, right tackle on rookie contract, left tackle on rookie contract, and quarterback on rookie contract, you can spend big at both edge rushers and corner and linebacker, but it still seems like a very expensive allocation of resources to the defensive side of the ball. That's an important caveat, though. Like, if they go quarterback wide receiver at one and nine, and I don't know that those wide receivers are going to be there, or if they go quarterback, tight end, or whatever, um, then, yes, you could see them needing a veteran edge rusher, maybe somebody at a shorter time horizon contract-wise than what Daniil Hunter is likely to get. And so we'll get to some of those names a little further down the list. Veterans who might fit for like a one-year plug-and-play or even a two-year plug-and-play because they will have money. You know, you might have a rookie free safety that you're trusting and paying on a rookie deal as well as the rookie quarterback, rookie wide receiver. Yeah, I listen, that hangs over all of this, right? What they do at nine impacts the biggest free agent spend. I think that's pretty clear. Yep. Because if they, like you said, if they go receiver at nine, the biggest free agent spend is likely to be center or edge rusher. If they go edge rusher at nine, the biggest spend might be receiver. And there will be a future polls position where we talk about veteran free agent uh, wide receivers in the event that they draft a tight end, a tackle, or mm-hmm. or a defensive player. So, so I think Daniil Hunter unlikely. Zadarius Smith is another one that he's thirty one years old. Yep. So these guys like this find it difficult to get long term deals. They 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 just do unless it's staying with a team and they're working with them and they believe in the work ethic so much and they continue and. Maybe you end up, um, you know, in Philly until you're 36, like Brandon Graham, you know. But Zadarius Smith, I think he he might be surprised at what's out there contract-wise. Veterans often, and that's the type of thing where like he won't sign day one of free, right? He won't sign March 13th. And today, we should we should also note for people that are following this stuff closely, today's the first day of the franchise tag window being open. It's March 5th is when it closes. Teams often don't do it right when it opens because they don't want the negative headline out there any longer than they need to because players perceive it to be a negative headline. So, and it buys them more time to negotiate if, in fact, that is happening. But with the combine uh, being next week, it's it's a procedural date in the NFL calendar. But expect Jalen Johnson to have the franchise tag placed on him between now and March fifth. Yeah. So. That's coming to, and that's going to come for a lot of these guys that we're talking about. What do you think about, or where did he come in your in your uh, 
research into this. My hardcore research. Bryce Huff. Bry- Bryce Huff is really interesting because he is in his athletic prime. And, and he, to me. At just 26, 6'3", 255. And is a pass rusher. He is a younger Yannick Ngakwe. He's a specialist. He is. That, that is what he does. He goes after the quarterback. He had a very good season. Uh, a lot of Jets fans want him back. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be on everybody's list because of his age and the feeling that he hasn't hit his ceiling yet. His pressure rate is the best in the whole free agent class of edge rushers. And the Jets have spent a lot of money on the defensive line. So there are right. a lot of people who think that he is. That indeed- he's, the, he's, the, he's the odd man out, so, so to speak. Yeah, that, that, he'd, he'd, be, he'd that, be very exciting and probably pretty damn expensive. He'd, he'd, he'd be the most expensive signing of your offseason. But in your talk, talk about adding a guy who that, that would be kind of like, I mean, he's younger than Montez sweat. Mm-hmm. He's a little younger than right. He's DJ in that DJ more right? Like you would feel like you would have his prime three or four years, which again, lines up with cheap offensive premium position. So I do think that the bears will be in on Bryce Huff. He's, well, high, he's high on my list. That'd be really interesting. If it, if that is your prime free agent spend, you know, is Bryce Huff or, I mean, if it is, it does end up being something like that. Then you're looking at rookies kind of all over the place uh, and, and, and something's going to fall through the cracks. Maybe it's that second tight end, that upgrade tight end. You can't upgrade every position. You can't, you can't do it everywhere. So maybe that's going to be a veteran on a short prove it deal. And we'll get to some of those tight ends if we, if we need to guys like Hunter Henry are out, are out there, you yeah. know, somebody who can block and catch and we'll be looking for a deal and, and you won't have to break the bank for him. Do you think there's any chance they go after chase young? No, no. I think they know. I think they chose the right Washington defensive end in terms of makeup. They got the right one. Chase young was a beast in the super bowl. But he was not a beast for lots of Niners games before that and lots of Washington games. And then there's been injuries and they've got somebody in Montez who can scout him pretty directly. Right. I agree. The Super Bowl was impressive. The first half of that game in particular, he made a couple of plays. He had the sack. He had the forced intentional grounding like he he was a disruptive player. He is a freak of nature athletically. Mm-hmm. but questionable motor. And if he's not going to have a motivation playing in playoff games in a contract year, when is he ever going to be out there? Man, it's crazy. You look at some of these lifer defensive ends, these lifer pass rushers. Like Kyle Van Noy had a really good year last year in San Diego on a $1.4 million deal. On a one-year $1.4 million deal. Yeah. Like Bud Dupree is at, at, at 31, and he's, he's mostly outside line, linebacker, but he can play defensive end. He did for Atlanta. And he signed a cheap deal last year. Jadavion Clowney played for $2.5 million last year in Baltimore. So it's like an addition like that, I feel like I feel like it's probably going to happen, even if they draft a young edge, like, you know, add somebody who can who can add to your pass rush possibilities. Well, that's that to me, like like safety, it is a one-year deal, veterans, you can age well. Like I think it's very in play that they say there isn't an edge rusher in the draft this year, and they band-aid it again. Right. Not with Daniil Hunter, because that's multiple years and more expensive, but with a name that you would know and get excited about. What about you, Davion Clowney? Yeah. Like, to me, that one makes a lot of sense also. 
Not the primary edge rusher. Disappointing. Had a very good year, though, with with the Ravens. And is the type of guy that, when healthy, is disruptive, especially if he isn't counted on to be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, played well with the Ravens. Ton of defensive talent. Played play, well play, with Miles Garrett. Right. Played well with Miles Garrett. Not the number one guy. So, I think Clowney makes sense. A texter says Jonathan Greenard from the uh, from the Texans. I think that makes sense. I Jonathan Greenard is 27, 6'3", 263, very quick off the ball. Um, but the size is a better fit as kind of an outside linebacker than he is a defensive end. He's put his hand in the ground, though. Like, he'll, he'll do that, too. I think he can do both. Um, Leonard Floyd is a name you're going to hear. Man. I know. Been there. Time is a flat circle. Lived, I know. I know. That. I know. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, is Ryan Poles likely to spend big at the same position he already spent big on? I like, think no. Right? I I think no also. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more likely that you're going to get a one-year deal on a veteran paired with a draft pick than spending big money on this spot. You've got an expensive linebacker. You're going to have an expensive corner. You've got an expensive edge rusher. I think he's more likely to put financial resources elsewhere on the team, yeah. like center. You know what I mean? He doesn't have an expensive offensive line. I think I think I think band-aiding it is going to be very probable. The more we talk about it, I mean, unless he falls in love with somebody at nine and there's no wide receivers there. Listen, if you can get the best defensive player in the draft at nine, that's always going to be good value if you think that player is great. And there's a real chance that eight offensive players go in the first eight picks. That's, you know, that's that's very in play based on a lot of these mock drafts. I should say in a year where Dwight Freeney just got elected to the Hall of Fame, along with the three Bears, um, I, that I love short pass rushers. I've always loved short pass rushers, very, very famously, whether it's Dwight Freeney or his partner Robert Mathis or Elvis Doomerville, like dudes. Wow, I did not think we were going to hear a Doomerville reference, okay. Dudes who get low, get lower. Were you a Derek Thomas guy? Uh, well, yeah, but he was like he was like poor man's LT. I, well, he got crazy he, speed. Well, he got, and he got down low to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, crazy bend. Yeah. Right. But, but like, you know, I, I think when you're short and you're a battering ram like that and okay. you get low – I'm a, I'm a I'm a big fan of that of that profile sometimes. So who's the shortest of these pass rushers? I'll find a short one. <laughs> the shortest, the pass shortest rusher. free agent edge rusher. It's a they're all weird too big. Way to, it's a weird way. To, they're all too big. Yeah, they're all like six five. It's generally speaking, a six an three. Asset. I'm, I'm aware. I gotta say, I'd be pretty like I I think that it is very in play that three tech is still an ad though, more so than edge rusher. Like Dexter was good, but was he good enough to actually answer the issue when that is Matt Eberflus's thing? When he says DeForest Buckner's the favorite player he's ever coached, that the three techniques, the engine that drives it, that they tried to get uh, Larry Ogunjobi, fails the physical, that they liked Jalen Carter, but they didn't like the character stuff. I just... Hey, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Let's spend on that. Yeah. Get me Christian Wilkins. I'll be badgering for it. Get me Christian Wilkins. Like if, if the if the Dolphins don't franchise tag him. And then he could say, okay, we'll be cheaper at edge rusher, but they're they're gonna be expensive there. Because that's asking it's still asking a lot of Javon Dexter 
to be to be that good from that draft position and, this and, fast. And they've lined up Dexter all over the place. Uh, and Dexter has lined up outside when he was in, in Florida. He was kind of learning some three-technique stuff and found it um, towards the end. Yeah, I mean, it depends how much they believe in him and want to give him time. He, he didn't surpass Justin Jones for snaps until – until very right. late in the season. Yeah, it's a, it just it's a risk. So I I'll I'll say I'd be I'd be very excited with Bryce Huff, but it'll be expensive, and I think it's more likely that you get a Jadavion Clowney type on a on a one year deal like Yannick Ngakwe. Those will be the two names uh, that I'll attach to this conversation. Okay, um, that's that's fair. I'll, I'll throw in one more of the veteran names. I, I mentioned him, Kyle Van Noy, older, but man, he was. He, he was he was real still good. productive still still very very productive but um I think the clowny thing makes a ton of sense I'll be shocked if it's Daniil Hunter we are going to get into Justin Fields's social media habits things that matter from spring training Tom Ricketts talking and not maybe helping the cause but had an unbelievable uh parenting experience over the weekend facilitated through sports it's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. the Parkinson Spiegel show I don't know what's going on with any of it afternoons on the score Bedard, not done yet. It trickles in. He scores. Welcome back, Connor Bedard. His first goal off the injured list. And they're all beauties. Oh, God, it was so great, man. Um, We talked about it a bunch on Friday. You taking Owen to his first hockey game, Saturday afternoon game. The Blackhawks won because the Bulls don't have any Saturday afternoon games. No Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, holiday afternoon. Earliest tip was an early season. They had a game that tipped at 6. Every other game is 7, 7.30. The the Bulls-Bucks game I'm going to on March 1st, game tips at 9 o'clock. Which, I mean, whatever. It's fine for me. But the Hawks did this thing. They called it best day ever. Like that was the slogan for the day, and it was the you know kid. kid oh, I'm having the best day ever, and it was just like all the graphics on the scoreboard were kid centered, and some of the promotions they brought out. It wasn't just Tommy Hawk, the normal mascot. They had the Little Hawk, so like a like a like a, it was like a kid in there. I'm unfamiliar with the Little Hawk. Yeah, it was it was little baby. It, Tommy it was Hawk? like baby Tommy Hawk. Wow. Uh, the the in stadium announcers, you know the the MCs or whatever. They had a they had a kid. With him, like a ten-year-old, twelve-year-old kid uh, on the on the microphone. Yeah, seriously, Gene Honda all day, every day. I'd be so mad. No, I think uh, he's talking about like the rev up people. Yes, no, no. Gene know? Honda was still there. Gene Honda, oh, John, yeah, yeah. John, what's John Hanson, John Hanson, yeah, yeah uh, from WGN. He's a delightful. You guy. can't let children around Gene Honda's cigarettes. You just can't. <laughs> <laughs> they cannot be exposed yeah. to that much cigarette smoke that early. Uh, Good afternoon, kids. Give me another pack of Pall Malls. But it was just. It, Owen, he also was like he he could tell that like I I did a good job we did a good job Steph and I of like getting him excited for it, talking it up. We call him Owen Data Adventures. Sometimes he goes on Owen Mama Adventures. Oh yeah, where it's just the two of them where they uh, get to, like like. Steph- Boy, those are going to evolve over the years, huh? Yeah. Those Owen Data Adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait to do it with Eli. But like, yeah, and, and you you got him the uh, the hoodie. Did you go Target hoodie? No, what did did Team Store? Oh, look at that. Did did, did Team Store? So yeah, went Father. down. Went that went down there. He was not he was not wearing Hawks gear, but walked into the gate through through the Team Store. But even before that. We park the car, 
and just in whatever lot we parked in, get out of the car. As I get him out of his car seat, first thing he says is he goes, I'm so excited. Oh. And a, a, a lady was getting out of the car right next to us. That's she, the best. she just goes, oh, that's adorable. Oh, like he was so excited. That's why society needs children. I mean, there's other <laughs> things like, you know, advancing the species and staying alive and everything. But like the 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 childlike excitement you need that to remind yourself what a lucky sob you are to be going to a game yeah the whole because the whole time like driving down there right when are we going to be there he's a how long till we're there he's like just so pumped about it yeah. and then we park get him out of the car feet hit the ground I'm so excited uh so it was just he had like a perfect attitude from from the beginning buy him the hoodie uh at Target, we or did you let team, him... store. Team, team store, team store. I said team store. Right. 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 Want to make sure, want to make sure you didn't take your kid to that. some knockoff Blackhawks. Yeah. No, no, no. He got Stuff. the real deal. Oh, and Good. Daddy did look like they were wearing Target's finest apparel, though, by that Jordan statue. No, it that did was look Targetish. Did it really? That... <laughs> My, my thing was no disrespect. I mean, it, you can it, find some great deals on some team stuff. I there. have the same quarters that Danny has. They gave it that to us one night. We went with Mac when we went a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. so I mine so was a free. Giveaway, yeah, mine no, was, it wasn't a giveaway. It's like legit majestic. I they think. gave it to you. Mine, they gave it to you. <laughs> my, mine was free. I'm surprised he wasn't wearing a Joe's Stone Crab gift card. Uh, you know what I mean, oh, Owens, I paid. Oh. It, was a, it was like a fifty-five dollar kids hoodie from the team store. That oh, was yes. that, that was a legit. He's not worth that. Oh. I, that's what I'm saying. It was, it was Eli expensive. is though that kid. Hand Where is it? Disney on Ice. E- Eli's gonna get a hand me down. Uh, That's how it works for, for number sure. two. Uh, French fries and a beer right when we get there for not, him. No, no, for, for <laughs> I, That's beer, not no. beer for me. Beer for me. D- D- Child fries. services on line three. Beer, beer for me. French fries for him. Oh, okay. Do you he, have any of his fries? Of course. Okay, good. Of course. Uh, he was a, a little. Little intimidated, like I expected him to be. He was asking, crowd. You think it was the crowd noise. that got him? The noise. noise. Sure. He, he was. At, he was asking about his headphones, and I was like, "Buddy, you know, we were like blaring music on the way down." I was like, "Buddy, it's not even as loud as it was in the car." And he was like, "Okay, okay." And he was just a little cautious. Then he asked for the headphones, gave them to him ahead of the anthem, like like it was like the ramp up video gets going, leading into the anthem. Because you hate Jim Cornelison. So he wore he wore the headphones for the anthem. You can still hear a little with the headphones on. Of Don't course. worry, Owen. He's going to point to where the flag is when he says the flag is still there. No point. Exactly. <laughs> he was he was confused. He was curious. Now, and then he saw it. Were the headphones plugged in? Or were they connected via Bluetooth to your phone? Was he listening to Blues Clues or something? No, 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 not at all. Just just noise canceling. With just a little bit, uh, little aid. Little take it off. Take the edge off a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Like your beer. Like my beer. Is that why you let him hit the pen before you got it there too? <laughs> no. No, he does not get to hit the pad. I already like just the keep DCFS on the line, so they <laughs> yeah. don't have to keep calling. They have the hotline. <laughs> they should. They should at this point. Everyone loves it, Mama. He's very excited to be with and his, his dad. data apparently. Uh, Who knew? Then he t- then he takes the headphones off, but before the game starts, like he was he was he was ready. He was ready. He saw like another kid around him that wasn't wearing the headphones. Uh-huh. He was all about it. Was he cold at all? You know, I was concerned about you were, that. No, didn't complain about the temperature one time. How about and again, you? The hoodie was nice. Were you cold? <laughs> A little chilly. Consider putting on the See, jacket. See, I knew it. I consider. I the thing that we got was pretty thin. It was a little, kind of a the quarters uh, up. Right. Thin, thin, thin got to bring an up. extra layer to the Hawks team. I, I, so I, I was, I was fine, but a little, a little chilly. Um, That's why I was asked. I was very concerned. So, so game starts. Game starts. Is he following the puck, the runaway breadcrumb, asking where it was, oh, like asking what's going on. Join the club, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Like. But asking adorable questions. Yeah, what, well, Daddy? What's for checking? Some what? of that. No, no. Well, why is it a puck? 
he asked me, like, instead of a ball. That's a good question. Really good question. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've he, never thought about it. There's no way to know. Said, Let me call hockey. He, he said, why is it a puck? <laughs> Let me look it up. Dear hockey. <laughs> yeah. I considered asking Eddie O. I was like, I don't have a good answer for That's you. That's hockey. If you were going to call hockey, would you call Eddie O? Is that who you'd call? I think so. Pat yeah. Foley, maybe? Yeah. So that they, they were reunited this past weekend, by the way. Oh. They, they, did, some, they did some cool games. Uh, then. Anyway, carry on. First goal of the game happens. And I pick them up in celebration when they play. Uh, bum, bum, ba, dum, bum, yeah, ba, dum. when they play the song. Chelsea Dagger. Chelsea Dagger. Thank you. And that's why, why I'm here. It's literally why I'm here. And he, the smile, like ear to ear, doesn't even do justice how happy he is about like all the about way around the head. Hockey? Yeah, yeah. About <laughs> uh, about the, about the communal moment of sports joy what shared. What are you doing? To shared this kid? by fifteen to eighteen thousand people. He couldn't. Right? Be, he couldn't believe it's it. It's amazing. He could not believe what was happening. In term and like I'm like. All right. That's the best, man. You're, you're making me think of it. And took Ruben to a, a Cubs game, and, like, that first time he hears Go Cubs Go and sees everybody singing along, he's like, oh, my God, look at all these happy people. Yeah. It's powerful. So I'm like, all right. Now I'm like, I have to document this. Like, I want to I wanna be sure that I remember it. And so you I, have to share it at the expense of the rest of your day with them. Obviously get content, and you know what I mean? Sure. We're only human. Yeah. And so, I, I, now, so now I have my phone out, and I'm just kind of ready for whenever the next goal is so that I can just start like filming us doing the celebration and the next goal's Bedard. And so he gets it and it's the same thing. I pick him up uh-huh. have the, and he smiling ear to ear. I, I saw sh- that video. I mean, come on. It's delightful. O- 11 out of 10 on the adorable scale. Even, even the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. It was amazing. It's incredible. It was great. And the whole- I mean, and he's he's cute. I don't know how you did it. It's, it's not Steph. Me. It's Steph. It's definitely Steph. He's like adorable and like having a good time. And Bedard, you- yeah, both of them. Yeah, Steph, <laughs> Steph had a lot to do with that too. Danny was holding Bedard <laughs> in his arms. He's so little. <laughs> he's so little. That's a new Blackhawks promotion. <laughs> you get to hold Connor Bedard like he's a child in your arms. Uh, hockey also very good for kids, like in terms of the pacing of it. The game is fast. There's mm-hmm. not a ton of long stoppages for until sure. there are long stoppages for the intermission. But then cool stuff happens, too. He was all about the Zamboni, and it was a good time to say, like, hey, when this ends, you know, we'll go get ice cream. And so at the first intermission, oh, yeah. scoop of strawberry ice cream. That might be the best deal in Chicago. It's like it's six bucks. For a single for, scoop of ice sc- cream? But it's a... Big scoop Ooh, of ice cream. That doesn't speak well for Chicago if that's the best deal we got. I know. At pro sports, maybe. Best pro sports deal. It, it was. Got to be a I'm White Sox saying, deal. It was an better. ample amount of ice cream. He could not believe how much ice cream he got because I got my own ice cream. And as soon as they, they gave me my ice cream and his, I was like, oh, I've made a terrible parenting decision. Because this is. 6x the amount of ice cream that he normally gets. Sure. It, you know what I mean? If he gets a serving of it. So he's just. Going to town on it. It's a race before it can melt out of the bowl. It's all over the new sweatshirt. He's now hopped up on sugar. So that means he lasts really strong for the second period or most of it. Second period was no problem. Yeah, because the second period, he was eating his ice cream. Because the first part of the first intermission, Zamboni. Did he have his own seat? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Second part of the intermission is the adventure to go get the ice cream. So we get back to our seats. 
a minute into the second period. Now he's eating his ice cream and getting hopped up on sugar for the entirety of, of the second period. Mm-hmm. Second intermission happens. More Zamboni time. So you already hit the over, by the way. We had second intermission as the moment when you would have to leave. Yes. And so I was like, do you want to watch more hockey? And he was like, yeah. And then we're at the 18-minute mark of the third period. So we've survived the second intermission. Uh-huh. Hockey star. He goes, Dad, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> he realized, oh, they're just going to keep doing this they're thing. They're just going to huh? keep doing it. I'm like, all I'm right. Good. I'm like, all right, buddy. Well, like, we, we waited this long. Let's wait a little longer. And he's like, okay. And then at the 13-minute mark, he said it again. I was like, all right, we're good to go. You beat the traffic. Killed the traffic. It's perfect. I mean. Exquisite. Could not have gone better. Textbook. It it, it was executed flawlessly. You deserve a hockey fan as a kid. I don't know. You deserve. I want him to explain icing to you. I mean, it, he's like could be three coming. games away from being on my level. <laughs> Imagine just having like another Jason Bernstein, though. Right. That's tough. You know, like, how much money Dan spent on hockey for Jason Bernstein? Yeah, that true. does seem intimidating. He was yeah. threatening Danny with that the other day. Like, you're late. You should you probably stop taking him. Yeah, Bernstein's he's got be a very goalie. strong feeling. He's like, you're late to get him up on skates. Do not let him do Nutrier hockey. They're miserable. And then Hall was like, you've got plenty of time. Don't worry about it, buddy. Well, yeah, I'm probably going to come out a little bit more. On so here. that's delightful. So you, you think um, you think Blackhawks? Where, where does it rank as potential? You know, for for people to take their kids to for an early manageable game like that. I, Sounds good. I mean, sounds like a listen, very good. The, the Bulls do a great job of putting on a thing too. I just, it's late. It's late for little kids. Seven or seven thirty tip offs for a two and a half hour game, and then a commute home. Or you feel like, okay, if you take a little kid to a 7 o'clock game and you're going to leave early, Bulls games are expensive. Blackhawks games are expensive. So it's like you want to get the bang for your buck on on a ticket. So it's crazy to me that not one or two games, one or two games a year for both winter sports teams should be manageable. Weekend, noon, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, tip-offs or or puck drops for – one or two home games a year for for every team, just to make it a little bit more mm-hmm. family friendly. And I, I I genuinely think the Hawks did a great job. And Bedard, man, it was it, the the place was buzzing. Yeah, he, he was back. He, he had an assist on the first goal, scored the second goal. They won the game. He had this, the other one taken off. Uh, it was it was very. Impressive. So you saw some of those skills. Did you have a moment of being like, oh, I haven't seen many people do that? Oh, I mean, like, it's obviously noticeable with how he skates. You know what I mean? He just, he's just and the the ability for him to get the shots off quick from weird angles. Like, Mm-hmm. That's that was th- those two things were were noticeable. I heard he's fast. Can yeah, you he's confirm fast. that? He's fast. Quick, quick release on the show. You know, when I saw the Bedard and the Blackhawks play, it seemed like nobody else was thinking the game like him. Like he didn't have anybody who could could be his running buddy, and he seems to have developed one with this kid Philip Kurashev. And like I saw Lazarus writing the other day, is this his long term wingman? It's like because he if, if people start playing at his level and thinking the game with him, that could be. A very good and healthy thing. Yeah, great kid to build it around. Mm-hmm. Se- seemed awesome. It was just, uh, it, I was, I, I had a great day. It, it was just, a, it was a great Father Sunday. And he was like, hey, can we go to a football game next? And I was like, no. No, we cannot. <laughs> no, we cannot, buddy. Those are work and not as much fun to be at. Yeah, it's just. College. Too- Take him to a Big Ten game. Take him to a Northwestern game. Yeah, man, right, yeah. That's right. That's probably the move for for football. But I'm, I'm, especially he'll see the band, he'll feel the vibe. Rowdy, yeah, rowdy kids yeah. in the stands. I'm not taking him to an NFL game for a while. 
that I don't I don't think I, I don't want to go to one either. I have no interest in taking him to an NFL game for 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 quite a while. But pro- probably Wrigley the next one, maybe a late Bulls game, but probably not till next season is uh, is the thought there. Uh, this is a crazy story of maybe a worst case scenario for a sports executive. Next on the score, the Parkinson Spiegel Show. A source told the Parkinson Spiegel Show on six seven to the score. I know those guys. Afternoons on the score. Rendon high in the air, center field. Garcia warning track in the wall, and it's gone. Anthony Rendon on a three-run homer to make it six to five. Tigers broadcaster Jason Benetti on the call. Oh, God. This Sunday, by the way, is the, smart. is the Chris Chelios Chris Chelios jersey retirement game. Mully and Haw tomorrow and Thursday, chance to win a pair of tickets to the game. That's cool. On the number seven, it's going to the Rafters, not the Raptors. The Blackhawks host the Red Wings on Sunday at the UC. It's courtesy of Bud Light. Easy to drink, easy to enjoy. So just be listening to Mully and Haw. Danny, four years ago, Anthony Rendon was coming off an incredible year at the end of three really, really good years for the Washington Nationals. And he signed a big money deal. Seven years, hundred or excuse me, $245 million to go to the Angels. Yeah. Many teams wanted him. There was a little bit of a theory then that he chose the Angels because expectations would be lower. There's just a little bit of theory about that. Just kind of quiet. But since then, four seasons, Anthony Rendon has played 52 games, 58 games, 47 games, 43 games. If you add up all of his home runs in RBI the last four years, it is less than his totals in the final year with Washington. It's been a rough go. And there's been bumpy things along the way. Remember he got in a fight with a fan, like, like grabbed onto a fan, Last year, he was asked, after being quiet for like three months about an injury, he was asked, like, are you considering retirement? And he said, I've been considering retirement for the last 10 years, said last year. He's, he's had a vibe of not really giving a crap about the game. I got to be honest, I kind of respect it. Like, you, like, not having your job be everything to you is healthy. It does show a work-life balance. It does show priorities. Having said all of that, it's not what any fan, coach, or executive wants to hear when you give a guy $245 million fully guaranteed. So well, you don't care? Yeah, right. Because he's saying it's not, he's not saying I don't care. Well, he's just saying it's never been a top priority. The actions of the last four years have led a lot of people to wonder whether he cares or not. This is him like uh, two days ago at Angels Camp. Is it still a top priority for you, though? That's never been a top priority for me. This is a job, so I do this to make a living. Uh, my faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. Is it a priority? Oh, it's a priority for sure. This is my job. I'm here, aren't I? Do you want to be here? I don't want to talk to you guys at <laughs> seven in the morning or whatever time it is. So, Did you, I mean, do you want? I mean, do you want to like be here playing baseball? I have answered your question. So why do you keep picking at it? <laughs> Oh, he's notoriously prickly with the media as well. But, uh, yeah, not a top priority. Faith and family. Look, I agree in theory that should all be – that should be how any of us live. It's definitely how I, I, I try to live where the job is not as important. But this is not just in a bubble. This is this dude's actions over the last four years and the fact that a lot of people think this was a plan executed. Like, oh, I know who won't care. Angels fans. <laughs> they won't care. 
and I don't have to be a Dodger or I don't have to be with a team where the expectations are high. Angels, That's the Chris Bryant Rockies theory. It, it, it really is, as a matter of fact. Just like go follow the money and then you've made the money and then you play hard when you play, but don't fight to play hard. And that's rough. It's not something that any fan is going to like or relate to. But isn't that a GM's worst nightmare? Like when you're making a big investment in somebody, you're like, oh, they might just stop caring. In baseball, you know, with all the guaranteed money, you got to freaking worry that somebody's going to stop giving a crap. We saw it with some of the White Sox, right? We all praised Rick Hahn for signing guys early, buying out arbitration years, and then it blew up in their faces. And then because we don't face any consequences for wrong predictions or statements that are hypocritical or contradictory, then on the back end, we can be like, well, I wonder if it was a mistake to give all those guys those contracts early because you took away the carrot. What was their incentive to work their hardest and play their best if they'd already been taken care of financially. That's the beauty of doing what we do compared to doing what they do. But you got to know your guy. You know, like Nico Horner got paid. Doesn't seem like it's changing his Mm -hmm. work ethic, preparation, love of the game, drive to be better. It does not. Any of that stuff, right? That that's, that's part of the scout of the player. Absolutely. And I got to say the backdrop is part of like the angels thing is going to go down as a legendary and epic fail for, uh, you know, having trout and Otani in their primes and winning nothing. You know, it's, it, it is, it is absolutely legendary with an owner who wants to spend throwing around money, but just doing it poorly. It's uh, it, it's a colossal failure and disappointment. 245 million. He ain't going to retire. I don't care how much he cares about his faith or his family. They'd love it if he did. He's not going to retire. They dream of until that contract has paid him his last dollar, and then baseball will not be any priority. I didn't. I didn't know that he was that 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 he was this kind of this kind of efforted player. Like I didn't hear about that in in Washington. But during the free agent scouting, just a little. It's really it's true for anything, right? It could be true for Caleb Williams. Could be true for. Any big investment in a person, it's like you desperately got to make sure you're, you're with somebody who wants to be great and wants to work their ass off. And it can change. You can, it can, you can become a different person. Money changes people. Priorities change as you evolve and get older and become enlightened or become a parent or mm-hmm. any, any number of things uh, can change you. We have a statement from the White Sox and related Midwest about Jerry Reinsdorf being down in Springfield today meeting with state legislators. We'll get you uh, that statement on the other side, plus the saga of Justin Fields unfollowing the Bears on Instagram. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Parkinson Spiegel Show. Spend some time with our friends Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel. Yes. Afternoons on the score. I really don't have any comments or, you know, I don't want to say anything about um, what the White Sox are doing. Like, I just, you know, that, that, that's, I wouldn't comment on what, what they're going to do there, so. comment from Tom Ricketts on what the White Sox are doing with their stadium. I bet he's got lots of thoughts, man. (laughs) Yeah. He's got lots of thoughts. I think so. Remember that time where I tried to get money for a lot of years and the city and the state eventually said no and told me to go screw and I had a big ugly argument publicly with the alderman and then I had to use all my own money to do that. Guys, remember that? Yeah. Jerry should have to do that. Jerry should have to do it. I don't want to say anything about what the White Sox are doing. Yeah, don't say anything about it. It's restraint. The White Sox are 
saying words but not really saying much of anything. Here are some statements, okay, because it's been reported and he has been photographed, Jerry Reinsdorf, down in Springfield, meeting with legislators. Yeah, he's very far along in trying to get a deal done with the ISFA and the state to get uh, that 2% tax transition so we can get the stadium deal done. He's very, very well on his way. So what's the statement? So here's uh, the statement on behalf of the White Sox organization. We recognize discussions about the 78 serving as the future home of the Chicago White Sox have generated a lot of excitement over the potential of the larger project's positive economic impact. We are mindful and respectful of the legislative process and wanted to travel to Springfield to meet personally with legislative leaders. We're excited to share our vision, and we appreciate their time and hospitality. End quote. Oh, man. There's a couple of presumptions in there. Yeah, the, the big spin in there. We know that they've generated a lot of excitement uh-huh. about all the positive economic impact that's going to happen. Yeah. We're, we're, we, you're, we're telling you that you're excited, and I know many people are. <laughs> That's pretty funny. We, we, well, there is some excitement. Of course there is. Of course there is. Yeah. It's, I know it's. Uh, there's not a lot out there. It's it, it's dwindled. It's a lot of anger, a lot, a lot of vitriol out there. Pay, I'm a, for, pay for your own damn stadium. I get it. I get uh, it. And then here is from uh, Related Midwest, The uh, that's the development company, right, that that, that owns the, the 78. Uh, we, appreciate, we appreciated the time afforded to us by lawmakers in Springfield today. As we shared in the meetings, the 78 is a generational development and an investment in our hometown. It's personal to us, and we are excited about the prospect of delivering the city's next great neighborhood while making an historic economic investment mm-hmm. that will bring over 10,000 construction jobs and 22,000 permanent jobs to our city and state. The long-term impact will be transformative, creating a new riverfront neighborhood anchored by a state-of-the-art ballpark for generations of fans to enjoy and help enhance Chicago's place as a top destination. So there are some statements. Yep. Lot and you of still a... think this is going to happen. I do. What Can you explain? Because you have a good, a good sourcing uh, on this. Mm-hmm. Why would Jerry get public funding when Tom wouldn't when the economic landscape of the state and city have changed so much since the last time Jerry got the sweetheart deal? Why, why would he get what Tom Ricketts couldn't? I think that they never believed Tom Ricketts was going to leave. Like he explored a Rosemont thing that's still in the state. Um, and that was all he really had as leverage. But when it came down to it, he met his wife as a teenager and he bought this it, it, right it, in, in the bleachers. And he bought this thing as a rich hobbyist and he wanted to have it there and do everything there. Right. And he also owned it. You know, he, he owned the, the whole the whole land, bought the team, bought the stadium. Right. Yep. And so and, and they knew he had money. They knew he had money. So there was like, yeah, you, you don't really need to do this. You know, Jerry doesn't have money. And Jerry could just sell to somebody who then takes the team away and they could leave. Or Jerry could leave and go to Nashville or go to Charlotte where he's got a lot of things. I think there is genuinely a fear that the White Sox will leave. And there was never a fear that the Cubs were really going to leave. That, that's, and that, that's, that's that, first and foremost. That's true. And that is... That is a truth. The the Cubs were never going to leave. Yeah. They, they were never going to leave. They were never going to leave Clark and Addison. They were going to figure never. out a way. Right. So the city and the state said, no, it's, we're, we're not, we're not going to do that. This is, I, I mean, it's at a moment that, that, and, and they, he might not get this. He might not get this, but I, I think he's probably going to, 
because of all the different political things that are going to be at play down there. And I get that it's freaking ugly because of how bad the White Sox have been and how bad they screwed up New Comiskey and, and all of that. But from the state's perspective, they're thinking about, well, he could leave or we could just extend this 2% hotel tax, which is supposed to be for tourism anyway, and just continue the deal that we have. It's no new taxes. It's not going to be as difficult to sell to some of their constituents. And then there's all these other factors. The labor unions will want it for all the work that goes into it. And some of those labor unions and some of those uh, it's some, some of the deals that Pritzker may have to make to make this happen will then make contributions to his campaign and others. All that ugly Illinois po- political stuff gets in there. But principally, I don't think the state wants the White Sox to leave. Because that is the question, because there is not any compelling data that suggests that new stadium is good for local economy. But no team like team good for local economy, right? They, they, that's, that's the difference, right? Okay. They could lose the white Sox altogether, or we could probably lose some money on the stadium, but still have the white Sox. That I think is a different calculus than new stadium for team in other place that otherwise would still be there. And they're still getting money every year with a new stadium from teams coming in and fans coming in. Yeah. They're, they're, they're selling the future. It's, it's like getting a credit card and, you know, which is a terrible way to live one's life. But like the more, the more credit cards you get like, Oh, but I got money coming in now. You know, it's like from the state's perspective, it's like, they will have the income tax and 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 all the other stuff of like the visiting teams and all those that hotel revenue and the jobs of everything. It's uh, it, it's a deal that I suspect they're going to make by kicking the can down the road. How do you guys feel as once upon a time White Sox fans, White Sox fans on hold, wherever you're at in your White Sox fandom? How do you guys feel when you hear a percentage of people, including? respected longtime White Sox fans and authorities on sports in this town, like Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes say, okay, if they don't get the stadium, the team leaves. Okay. I don't believe them. Like, and I, like a, 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 a somewhat amount of apathy towards the idea of the White Sox leaving Chicago. I do not believe Dan or Lawrence. And I, I, w- I would say, I'll say that to them tomorrow. I don't believe that both of those guys, if the White Sox leave can put their heads down the next night in bed and just be like, yeah, every childhood memory that I made with my dad, with my own kids, with my buddies, with guys here, every memory just means nothing to you anymore. I don't like the White Sox right now, but it's okay to, like we talked about this last week, it's okay to have a period of indifference. It's okay to demand some kind of change until you give your fandom back. Fandom is earned. It's not like we get it from our fathers, our mothers, whomever, but it's earned. It's a terrible moment in the court of public really opinion to be asking for anything. Really bad. It's a hor- the horrific moment. That being said, when you're in a fight with, with your, your respective wives. Here we go, Jim. Here we go, Tony. And you're trying to make it better. Normally, you do a nice thing for them or get a nice thing for them. Would I prefer the diamond ring and not the bracelet? Sure. The diamond ring being a top tier free agent and the bracelet being a new stadium. Sure. <laughs> but I will take the bracelet. 
I'll take a beautiful new stadium. I don't care about the location. And you might have to put that on layaway for a while. You might not be able to pay for that bracelet. Fine. The, 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 the whole thing Just with trying to help you're, out. you're disrespecting Bridgeport, you're disrespecting the South Side, you're not. You're just you're giving the team a new stadium. I'd be I would prefer the stadium be built on the current Bridgeport lot. Just turn it and face the skyline like it should have done. Don't give me this crap that it's all about engineering and finding the right wind tunnel for homers. That didn't work. Yeah. Tim Anderson pulled three balls in the air last year. That doesn't work. But I can be angry at someone for a second, and then they get me a nice thing, and I can reconsider. Okay. Tanny, how do you feel about it? Do I want the White Sox to leave and never come back? No, absolutely not. That I, would be incredibly I, sad. Are yeah. you surprised at the number of people I, who say they're okay with it? I think I think a lot of that is just they they are so they have so much disdain for Jerry Reinsdorf and the way he's run this franchise. And I would agree. You know, that's kind of why I'm on hold until the next ownership takes over. That doesn't mean I'm not going to go to games. So if you see me at a game, don't call me a hypocrite because my family still likes going to games. And I think that's what this is all about. You can kind of see through some of that anger and ignore all that for the for the greater good. And if you like going to baseball games, you know, there's no reason why you should want the White Sox to leave town. Like, I will no longer be a baseball fan if they leave town. I'm not following them to Nashville. I'm not rooting for the Cubs. I can't do those things. Mm. That's going to be it for me. Well, like, Tandy, there's going to be that first 70-degree May day where I turn to you at 3 p.m. and say, let's just get a couple tickets and go right to the game oh after work. God, like, I'm going to want to do that, too. But it doesn't mean I'm emotionally invested in the team. Exactly. I, I could never be. You'll you go know? to yeah. Traverse City. You'll go to Traverse <laughs> City and watch your team. I'll try to fill these voids, but none of them will fill the void of White Sox baseball if they're gone. You know, you're, you're going to be you're going to be like little Jerry Reinsdorf when he was when he was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. And they I'll left. never move my team when I buy a team. <laughs> <laughs> I Maybe I you. could buy the White Sox back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's it's a very odd moment in time because the stadium where, where I keep being surprised at the conversation is like the next owner is going to want a new stadium this owner wants a new stadium so you could say okay then sell it to the next owner and have him build it and no public funding I'm all for that we just have no idea who the next owner is and it's a pretty risky game of chicken that the next owner might move the team mm-hmm. you know so i am all for billionaires not getting subsidies from the public i do not want to line his pockets either i also don't want the white Sox to leave so if you could tell me who the next owner was and it's jeff bezos great keep him here build the stadium i really don't want the white Sox to leave and i really like the idea of a vibrant two-team thriving town, and I feel like I'm watching the end of the White Sox, the death of the White Sox over these years, and if the death of Jerry means the the death of the White Sox, then I think that would be a negative for this town and for this state. You know, Lawrence was saying in, um, in transition that downstate, a lot of people think the Cardinals are the second team, but the Cardinals bring zero revenue to the state or the city. The White Sox do bring a lot of revenue to the state and the city. Like they, it is desirable to have an extra sports team to have, have two teams in your state, two teams in your city because of all that it does bring on the, on the annual basis. Um, A lot of people angry at it. And like, 
I don't love the way that city politics works and state politics works. That's for sure. I just think it's going to I think it's probably going to pass because there's a mix of this desire that I'm expressing that Shane just expressed. And there's a lot of like there's a lot of business savvy to the way that Jerry plays this as loathsome as you might find him and what they've done. He has obviously played this game very, very well through the years, and he's trying to play it well one more time. And he's way ahead of the Bears in trying to play it. Texter says, Danny, you don't want to see the White Sox leave and you don't like seeing taxpayers paying for billionaires' toys, so which do you dislike more? It's a fair question. I'll be honest, as a sports fan who does this job, I have some personal stake in the game of having this be a two-sport, two-baseball team town. Just to, if we're all being totally honest yes, about it. So you, do I. You, you know, like, I, I, like, I like covering two teams. It, it makes this job better. It makes it more the sports landscape more relevant. It gives us more opportunities for content, and it makes for more opportunities in my business personally. So purely selfishly in that regard, I would want the White Sox to stay here. They're not leaving. The White Sox are not leaving. Right, I don't think Jerry. I, I don't think Jerry is going to move him. I could see a pathway of it happening. No. Absolutely, no. It, 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 this is the this Baseball is the last. Won't allow it. No, uh, uh, I, I don't. I don't think won't. that's true. I, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't believe that that's that that's true. I think that should be the case. You're talking about a charter franchise in the American League here. You know what I mean? Although the history is not that rich and tradition has been around a long time, there's not many things the South Side can can claim as their own. On like the world stage and in the sports world, that the mm-hmm. White Sox are one of those things. Yeah, you know. So I, but I do see a pathway for it happening. New owner comes in and they don't, you know, they they strike out on this deal that that Jerry's trying to swing right now. And it's like, well, what's the point of doing this? I'll just get what I want elsewhere. I can see it happening. It's not that implausible to think that could happen. No, because because a new owner um, or Jerry in his dying days, if he really wanted to, but I don't think he's going to. So an, a, a new owner. Could talk to Nashville or talk to Charlotte or talk to these other towns, just like the Oakland A's talked to Vegas, and they fought their way through there and found a way to to get that thing to happen. I really think like Oakland and San Fran, by the bay, that's a two-team town that is soon to be no longer a two-team town. It happens. Yeah, but it, you know, but is it because the city couldn't support it, or because just one of those two teams was just like, eh, we're, we're kind of done on putting together a competitive product? Well, they drove know? it that way, which For is sure. so freaking gross. They, they, the Oakland A's ownership with the baseball department doing, you know, either in agreement with it or just because that's what they were told, they drove the fan interest that bad. And they have an incredible fan base. When the A's are humming, and it's been a while, but they are great attentive, enthusiastic fan base when you give them a reason to be. It's so sad what they're doing. And the White Sox, the White Sox can draw when they're good. They, they can. So, look, I, I get it. They need to be good to be viable, but it's bigger than just a one-year thing. You're talking about the next 30 years, 35 years. Well, in the if you build it, they will come argument obviously is flawed. There are great stadiums that are empty. But they need to be good means you need to have good ownership. It's been proven that Jerry is not going to build a consistent winner based on how he spends, where he spends, infrastructure, development, the minor leagues, international scouting, all of that stuff that we've talked about ad nauseum. Hopefully the next owner does. Like there's a huge leap of faith here that you're taking. No matter where the stadium is, no matter where the you need to hope that the next owner is good. You need to hope that the next <laughs> owner is somebody, frankly, like Tom Ricketts, especially was in the beginning. You know, people can argue about Tom Ricketts now, and we'll talk about that later. But, like, 
that that's a guy who loved the team, wanted to do it, and then fired a bunch of people, brought in smart people from the outside, said, how do we get good? You know, how, how do we do this? And continues to do that. I mean, that that's what you want. You want a rich hobbyist. I see a texture saying Maddish Bia, the Phoenix Suns owner, is supposedly buying a, a, a mansion in Winnetka. Oh, yeah, no, not supposedly. It's a big story up there. It is? Oh, my God, yeah. Big fights and lakefronts and water park and connecting plots of land across parks and making <laughs> making millions of dollars of donations so that they could build a park elsewhere so he could connect the land it's oh, really? a it's a big north shore scandal don't build a tall fence yeah. darvish yeah exactly it's it's that it's that type of thing some of the old money not interested in this new money coming in a little bit yeah and, and it's just it's gaudy it's it's real big well he could sail his boat to the new white Sox stadium on the riverfront yeah just gotta go through the locks there you go there you go yeah they've got the money they, they own the, the Suns, the Mercury, and, yeah, sure. The Element? <laughs> and the not, Planet? Not the, no, no, the WNBA the team. Yeah. Okay. yeah, all of it. All of it. Damn. Yeah, sure. Have him buy the team. Yeah, there you go. That'd be great. Texture says, this argument can't be fund the new stadium or they leave. That isn't framing the question fairly. Fund the new stadium or hope the new owner is somebody who wants to keep them here. You frame it that way. Because uh, yeah, because I I don't think that Jerry will move the team. I think he will play out the lease in the existing park and then continue with the current plan of sell the team when I die. And then you're just you're just hoping because he's going to be dead and the kids will get together as they have been gathering, you know, the shares and getting ready. And then they will sell to the highest bidder. That's that, that's what they do because they don't care about it like Jerry does actually care about it. So yeah, no, it, it fund the stadium. Or hope the new owner does does something better and keeps him here. And yeah. there's no guarantee. No, no, of that. and there's no guarantee that they'd leave. Not 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 at all. And I, I mean I read Passon's piece today on like expansion is coming to Major League Baseball. There wasn't anything about mm-hmm. teams moving. It was, you know, is it gonna be Salt Lake City or Nashville yeah. or Vegas or you know, just but but baseball's gonna grow from thirty to thirty two teams in the coming years. So that's not that's not about relocation. That's about straight up adding new teams. What would you want to do if you're the new White Sox owner? If you've got a spare several billion and you're like, you know what? I'll take that team. Are you going to build a brand new stadium right across the street and try to develop it? Um, you know, finally, the way that that people had dreamed they were going to do in the 90s, build a great stadium and try to develop there and keep it there. That's that that that's a big ask and hope that a new owner will think of that because you could look at a lot of different parameters and say, man, we are the 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 last team in a five team town, tough to draw. Uh, this is always going to be a Cubs town. It's time to get the hell out of here. I, one good thing that that person can do is going to buy the White Sox is how about putting a competitive team on the field first and see if you can draw some attendance and see what you have to work with. That's something that hasn't been thought of, I think, in many years is let's put the best players possible out there and, and let's fill this place up for a couple of years and, and see how good this fan base is. What are you it, talking about, dude? They got Dominic Fletcher and Nicky Lopez. Um, my God, damn. It's a novel concept, Danny. It's very bold. It's very innovative. It's very radical. You don't have to spend billions to do it either. They know? got Matt Berbiglia. He's supposed to be the best reliever in baseball. Mike Berbiglia? Whatever the hell his name is. Hey, speaking of that. Matt, Matt Berbiglia, the one from Japan. Oh, Brebia. Isn't Brebia? Are you thinking of Fetty? Yeah. I don't know where any of them are from. <laughs> 
Molly was going through like hey. the depth chart either today oh or my last God. week, and I was listening to it. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. <laughs> Who are these men? They're in the bullpen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So Molly had me going with a visual today. He was he was describing the White Sox kind of like marching out onto the field at Camelback out there, like. Oh, it's not going to go very well for us. There's 70 of us, and most of us suck. This is too bad. And then you look across the field, and there's the Dodgers who <laughs> share the facility with you. And they're walking out, and there's a parade leading them. And they're yes. like, oh, look, there's Yamamoto, and there's there's Otani, and there's, oh, my God, they're on these these gilded uh, these gilded thrones that people are carrying. Yeah. It's quite the visual. The spring training facility, that's where the similarities end with those two <laughs> franchises. <laughs> They both play baseball. Yeah, they both played in a World Series against each other in 1959. But beyond that and the facility, Uh, that's it. uh, And they share a facility where you look right into the sun when you're sitting behind the plate. It's a great idea. Oh, God. Well, it's about the wind tunnels, remember? It's about Frank Frank McCourt's wife wanted a good view. Because you want to see the the mountains. They should blind the White Sox fans this season with, like, some kind of bright light so they don't have to see the product on the field. (laughs) That would help. Oh, man fun it is no it isn't no it isn't it is not we didn't even get to talk about justin fields allegedly unfollowing the bears on instagram oh no again no we have to talk about justin again but i want a while i need to get behind this shane maybe you can help with your social media skills or danny it feels like you've done the timeline i want to understand what the hell's going on here Uh, and there are reports from other teams around the league that make me question how many phone calls Ryan Poles is actually receiving here? It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Sebastian Maniscalco. Good to be on the score. I mean, I've been a score guy ever since in the 90s listening to you guys. You know, now with the Bears, I don't know what the hell's going on. Afternoons on the score. Nothing's guaranteed, Justin, but do you feel confident you've done enough that you will be back? I mean, I'm not sure. Um, like I said, that decision is not in my hands. Um, you know, all I can control is, you know, what I did do and, um, I gave it my all. So, um, whether it's here or not, you know, uh, I have no regrets. Um, shout out to, you know, you guys for, you know, making my job a little bit harder, but, um, yeah, uh, just to the city of Chicago, love y'all. Appreciate the fans and the support from all the bears, you know, in case this is my last rodeo with y'all and just appreciate y'all for everything. So that's Justin Fields, and there was a little kerfuffle on the internet when it was discovered that his Instagram account is not following the Bears and that his dog, Uno's Instagram account, is not following the Chicago Bears. All right, so right there in your phrasing, I I appreciate that context because I had seen it in various places, lots of news items out there. Justin Fields unfollows the Bears like it was an active choice to unfollow. I don't have any proof that he was ever following the Bears on Instagram. He is following them on Twitter, and his Twitter bio is quarterback for the Chicago Bears, and it says Chicago Bears in his Instagram bio. I don't dismiss this type of internet sleuth millennial reporting. Nor do I. Entirely, because... I've talked to you about this many times. Like these apps, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the people who created them are billionaires who designed them to be addictive. And those of us who came up uh-huh. with them, it's all we know. And, and, and it does 
say a lot about you as a person. I, I shared that article with you about Haralabob, yeah. Haralabos Vulgaris, who now owns the, the soccer team. There's a funny thing in there where he said he was talking to an NBA coach, and the coach was like, you know, I, I don't analytics is too much. You'll never know the heart of a person. And he said to the coach, who knows you more, your wife or your internet history? And the coach paused. Yeah. Because a lot of, I mean, really, you do forensic accounting of somebody's internet life and their social media life. You can learn some things. Remember when Jordan Howard deleted all the pictures of the him in a Bears uniform from his Instagram? That meant something. It's, it's, you could say it's passive aggressive. You could say it's millennial. It's Gen Z. You could say it's immature, whatever. It, this is the, these guys like public profiles. I, go into a locker room or a clubhouse after a game. These guys are on their phone checking their mentions before they shower or are out of their uniform. Does Caleb Williams follow the Bears? Is this the kind of forensic accounting that uh, that Josh Lucas people was are going referencing? people are going through his likes and trying to decipher meaning of course uh, they are. To, to to all that on Caleb Williams? But so I I don't think that Justin Fields story as of now is the most interesting Justin Fields story that exists. Well, how about how about this though? He also follows Kyle Pitts. Bijan Robinson and other members of the Atlanta Falcons. Right, but I don't know if those are new follows. Come on, Danny. If if those follows happened in the last forty eight hours, story. But follow. He's friends with other NFL players. Breaking news. You know what I mean? Like I that that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Uh, unless you could tell me he was following the Bears. Now he's not. And he wasn't following Pitts and Bijan. And now he is. Why can't we search that? Come on, internet. I. I haven't seen anything conclusive or definitive on that. If anyone else has, please send it in my direction. I did spend some time looking. Um, Hmm. Albert Breer said, and I think we've talked about this, but it's worth reiterating, that the Bears plan to have a plan in place by the Combine. The reason for that isn't because they have to have known definitively, okay, it's going to be Caleb or it's going to be Jaden Daniels or it's going to be Drake May. They just have to have reached a conclusion that one or multiple of those quarterbacks film is good enough to move on from Justin Fields from, and then they'll do the scouting on the personal stuff with the meetings because there's only so many starting quarterback jobs available and you want to be able to have a bidding war. And if you wait to trade Justin, Till the draft, free agency will have happened. Teams will have started lining it up. And that's not what you want. You want to be able to play Mm -hmm. New England against Vegas, against Denver, against Atlanta, against Pittsburgh. But if you wait until April 25th to trade Justin Fields, Three or four of those teams are already going to have starting quarterbacks. Sure, they're going to. So, so the you you want to be sure that you're not left holding the bag, so to speak, and have nobody who's willing to trade a lot to for for Justin Fields. So that's why a Fields trade is very likely to happen. You know, before March thirteenth. So before uh, the before the start of the new league year. All right. So th- and that's that and that gets people looking at social media tea leaves because that urgency yeah. does indeed exist. And, Atlanta jumped to the betting favorite. I know after and, after that whole and, business. And it, and it's but that's always flimsy, right? Is is that because people are just betting Atlanta now and sports books are moving the number? Well, or there's is it also stuff, they have sharp information. It's tough to know. Stuff coming out about other teams, like in Pittsburgh, 
We keep hearing bits and pieces. Wani buried it with us uh, last week off camera during his Zoom, said it's not going to happen. Other Pittsburgh folks are saying that they want to stick with with Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph. Yet people still talk about the the Steelers as a viable uh, alternative. So they have a beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette who has reported that basically what Wani said, not reporting what Wani said, but the, the, the essence of it. He said that, Pittsburgh is planning for Pickett and Mason Rudolph to be their quarterbacks next year and that they are not prepared to bring in a quarterback who would challenge Kenny Pickett's uh, position as the starter. So I will ask you again, and I know we did it on Paul's position, but it came out that the Bears fielded multiple offers at the Senior Bowl. It's going to be a robust market. The Bears could get a first-round pick for all of the reporting on this from the Schefters and the Rappaports and the Glazers and the Breers have been pretty pro-Bears in terms of what the market is going to be. Ryan Poles is going to have a, his choice of offers for Justin Fields. But the local reporting or just our own knowledge of it, uh-huh. not being out of town stupid on this, do we really think Luke Getze is going to go to Vegas and bring in Justin Fields? Not only do I not think Luke Getze is going to do that because of all of our experience with Luke Getze, um, I think a rumor that's out there of the Raiders trying to find a way to J.J. McCarthy makes all the sense in the world. New part owner Tom Brady, Michigan man, uh, Hub had talked about McCarthy maybe jumping into the top 15. I've seen a lot of mocks where he's like 10, 11, 12. I, I think the Brady-McCarthy thing makes all the sense in the world to me. I think that that makes some sense as, as well. But just for Justin specifically, it feels to me like the national reporting is pro-Bears, maybe sourced by Ryan Poles. And we know that he does that sort of thing. Whereas if you actually go market by market, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, I, I'm a little worried that Ryan Poles is not going to be getting the offers that he's floating out there in the media that he's going to get and that he's trying to do some, oh, yeah, it's robust. I got people calling me off the hook. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just batting away these offers. I'm going to get above market value. Which team? If that Pittsburgh report is true, that they're committed to – who is Atlanta bidding against? The myth of Pittsburgh. You know, I just – I don't know. I, I – so Atlanta for a second-round pick? The Bears' desire to maybe just keep him. Okay. You know, okay. That yeah, is, maybe. And that's not enough leverage to really maybe. use. Maybe. I just I, – I hope I'm wrong. Denver. We'll try to sell them on Denver. Denver doesn't have a second-round pick. So – a Denver trade is just a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, that, second rounder next year or fir- first rounder next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, that Denver trades a little bit more complicated because because of their lack of draft capital for what they did to to go get Sean Payton. So I just I I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that Ryan Poles has three offers that he got at the Senior Bowl. Breer's reporting is sourced from other teams and not leaked by Ryan Poles to try to gin up interest and all that. But I I hope I'm blown away by the compensation that they get for Justin Fields. But if that Pittsburgh report is true, I just don't know what teams are out there Mm -hmm. that are going to make a huge offer uh, for him at this point. And I don't know that the Instagram thing means anything. I don't, I don't, I don't personally think it does, but 
It's fun, isn't it? Work on this that, is uh, fun. Work on that forensic social accounting, okay? I want, I want um, all you guys yeah, to I mean, line up This and do could that. be a bigger conversation about just how that, that generation, and I consider Justin to be like the group of age people below me, how much they care about social media. You don't consider yourself a part of that? No, I mean, yes, I do, but but I'm saying he's a generation below me in my opinion. He's just a, of a different technological generation because they grew up on iPads. I didn't. Well, I heard people talking about how guys don't want to be in the dunk contest because they're worried they're going to get dunked on on social media. Right. Right. <laughs> it's it's dangerous, man. Like Jalen Brown is probably getting dunked on. There's right, a star. So. There's an NBA star who decides to do it because I heard him say, like, I'm still in my athletic prime. I feel like this is my time. And he, like, thinks about it a lot, comes up with what he thinks are three really good, like, homage dunks and absolutely <laughs> craps down his leg. <laughs> Anyone who watched that deep brown oh, quote unquote tribute, oh, doing the so eye thing after the doing dunk. the eye thing after he dunks. <laughs> so, so, oh, oh, I didn't oh, see oh, it. Oh, didn't here we go. Here we go. Oh yeah, cover my eyes. Remember? Remember? Oh, oh man, Jalen Brown is a brilliant, thoughtful guy and a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. And he embarrassed the hell out of himself on Saturday night. Uh, social media is just dangerous. It's it, dangerous, and I, I think we have to really factor that in. It it is, but I mean, I think you're giving. I mean. You're 30. Justin Fields is 24. I'm 31. 31. Be 32. How many soon. dogs does Justin Fields have? Just one. Just one. And he's a French bulldog, and they suck. Shane's lapping the field on dogs. There. I'm pro Justin Fields, anti French bulldog. Okay. Why would you get a dog that lasts seven years? I want. I want him longer uh, around longer than that. Yeah. That is sad. That yeah, is, that is a sad. Like you're getting a dog that doesn't last long. But someone has to own and love those dogs. I don't think they should exist. Oh well, that they do though. They were bred improperly. And is, isn't their love they struggle, trouble breathing? Right. Their, yeah. their love. I think you're underestimating the everlasting <laughs> nature of their love. I really do. I don't know, man. It, it is happen. one of the reasons I think he's going to get traded. So I, I trust don't have to hear judgment. that clip anymore. <laughs> oh, you think that's going away? <laughs> you think that clip's going away? Are you familiar with traded? us as your showmates? Come on, brother. <laughs> that is deeply incorrect. <laughs> I just don't want to hear it again. Hmm. Like right now? <laughs> About right. Like now. the full version of it? <laughs> which, which one do you know? That I was going to play oh. tomorrow for all the people that are in the house tomorrow. Oh, the love I can just play it now, though. No, no, We're no. Save Justin it. Fields and tomorrow on the score. Oh, here's oh. how starved we are. We um, Danny, my partner here, was willing to trade his dog for a franchise quarterback <laughs> over the offseason, you know? Like, yeah. He's wow. like, I, and I, I feel know. terrible about it, Just. I feel I, I felt very guilty his about it. His love for his dog, so um, that's that's tough for. I feel really bad for for you know Danny's dog because I would never do that to my dog. But um, you know, I mean, I, I guess that just shows you know how much Danny loves Bears football. I would never do that. All right, Justin. Now you've made me feel. Now I got to go home to Omar and apologize. <laughs> Give my man uh, Omar some extra extra uh, treats tonight, and he, and he should be good. Just cut it right I here. will. I will. Because, you know, he, the, the the dog's love is is completely everlasting. But I'm telling you, man, never had a great quarterback in this town. So, you know, you can, you can find the new dog. Justin, man, welcome to Chicago. Bears fans are thrilled to have you. I'm not anymore. God, dude. <laughs> That, I, I'm, I'm dripping with embarrassment for you. Yeah, me too, man. The fact that you said that. A dog's love is completely everlasting. <laughs> like a gobstopper, Justin. <laughs> Never have a gobstopper. That's everlasting. I meant it's unconditional. 
But you know, it's yeah. And Justin, by the way, I got that dog as a gift from my wife, <laughs> and I don't care about him at all. I do care. About my him. love for you, Justin, is not everlasting. I suspect that I will backtrack in a couple of years. Ooh. Yeah, well, you should have played better. <laughs> oh, yikes! Wow! Oh! Oh! You should have played better. You should have. Hey, it's a cold hard world. It's a cold hard world of sports analysis. They, they gave him your guy. Darnell Mooney for the vast majority of his career as his number one wideout. Bears, what are you doing, dude? Bears, you're smarter than that. Bears got the number one. Come pick. on, Shane, you're smarter. Well, are you? These I think happen. you're smarter than that. The Bears got the number it's one. Not pick. a good pocket. Passer, Everyone's waiting on this pick, by the way. Even C.J. Stroud had thoughts about what the uh, number one pick team should do. I don't know who is the first pick. The Bears. The Bears have the first. I think pick. they're going to keep Justin. They should if they're smart, but you know. It's the Bears. <laughs> You said it, not me. Damn. Yeah. Shots fired. How about that? Shrapnel. He was good last year. Yeah, he was. CJ Stroud. Yeah, pretty good player. The whole league doesn't think the Bears know what they're doing. Where would they've got that idea? (laughs) Where have they gotten that idea? All of history. (laughs) Uh, Who they haven't? Anybody's in Sid Luckman. (laughs) CJ Stroud went on to say. We're going to talk about Tom Ricketts' comments coming up. At uh, five o'clock and the state of inactivity for the Cubs. But uh, you got a thing or two that matter so far there, from spring training. There are a few and, and we, for both sides of town. And I know there's not a ton of time here, guys. I know. See, this is how they do you, Speaks. <laughs> we, we, got, we got all the time in the world, boys. Give the guy 90 seconds to talk about the thing he loves. Oh, oh, no, oh, hustle it up. Hey, wait, wait till the Sox fans find out. We're not going to talk about the Sox in this segment now. We've scrapped the Sox stuff. Oh, no. We're only going to do Cubs. No, let's choose one Sox thing. I'll choose one. We have a whole five o'clock hour, boys. As many things that matter from your beloved spring training as you can <laughs> while I look at Justin Fields' follows on Instagram. Parkinson speak That's on the, the show. But I got some things that matter. Huh? It's time for Things That Matter. Speaks will tell you what matters and doesn't. The things that matter. Matt Spiegel brings you the things that matter from Cubs and Sox spring training. Focusing on things that matter. They're the things that matter so we decided to go on ahead and call it things that matter if you have a good enough regular season then you know it's time to play for what really matters but there's a lot of bad info out there about things that don't actually matter it doesn't matter what it is it just doesn't matter but these things are the things that matter good i'm glad i'm glad you told me sorry danny for being interested in, in baseball nuance in the bullpen <laughs> no I no no, no. I, I i'm interested too these <laughs> things do matter Things That Matter with Parkins and Spiegel on 670 The Score. That paints me into a tough position. Go on. Tell me what matters in your beloved baseball well, on February 20th. You love, and we're going to talk about Tom Ricketts and, and Cody Bellinger in about 10 minutes. You you love when people are open about mental health. And yes. You've bonded with Michael Kopech directly mm-hmm. about such things. He is back. He has lost 20 pounds, and he's trying to have a clean slate as he attacks this second-to-last year of team control, a massive Massive underachievement so far in his career as compared to the talent. And uh, this is him. Um, was it with Chuck Garfine? Yes, on the White Sox talk He's about been killing yeah. it this week in of course uh, he has. Arizona. That's, that's what they do. Uh, him and Guff when they get out there. Uh, Michael Kopech acknowledged he's been selfish 
in the past, but has a clear head and high expectations for both himself and the team. My priorities are different. Right now, it's just trying to be a part of a championship team. The immature Michael Kopech from seven or eight years ago was not really looking at you know what the end goal for a team would be like as much as just joining the team. I guess you were more concerned with yourself before, right? right. Me, me, me. Not that you were, didn't care about your teammates, but are you feeling more of a we thing? Is that what you're saying, how you've matured? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of what the game does to you is you realize that uh, you don't get very far in this game by yourself. Like this is a game of ups and downs and you're not always gonna be at your top, but also knowing that a flash in the pan here and there isn't gonna, isn't gonna make your career, isn't gonna make your season and isn't gonna ultimately help the team very much. So I think just trying to go out there and we've already had this talk in camp and maybe think about seven or eight innings with three strikeouts and leaving one or two on the board is a win for the team rather than thinking about complete dominance every single time and going out there and hanging your hat on strikeout numbers and things like that. Going all gas and no break, so to speak, kind of left me either going deep in the games or coming out really early and it wasn't really an in-between. All right, so I spoke with Ethan Katz last month and this is what he said about you. We're gonna see the best version of Michael Kulpeck that everyone wants to see this season. What do you think about that? Um, it's high praise, could be high expectations, but I think I could live up to it. Oh no. Uh, oh man. Oh, the pressure of expectations. This poor kid, dude. He's had it his whole freaking life. It's one of those guys whose dad worked with him tirelessly and imprinted his dreams onto Michael, and Michael wanted to do it for his dad, and he's talked a lot about that, and he's obviously his own man and trying to achieve everything, but he's haunted by the expectations. It's another season of Michael Kopech in his own head, sharing, being vulnerable, but it's hard not to look at that guy and empathize with that he's got all of the physical talent in the world. And it's a physical game. It's athleticism. But it's between the ears that hasn't fully gotten unlocked. Like a lot of people. Yeah. Where it holds you back. Absolutely. And if you're not if you're not doing well mentally or if you've got doubt or insecurity or anxiety, whatever it is, uh-huh. it doesn't allow you to perform at your best. I, I always will root for him because of his vulnerability, but another year and another version of the same story with Michael Copa. You know, a lot of teams, when they talk to a guy or when they hear from a guy and you hear him say, yeah, you know, a lot of times I get out there and I'm all gas, no brakes because I can't, you can't like just relax and slow down. Then put him in the bullpen. Put him in the bullpen because you can be all gas and no brakes in the bullpen. Just give me everything you got yeah. for as long as you have it. That's a much, much lower ceiling in terms of career earnings and in lower ceiling in terms of value to a team. Well, that's what I, that was what I was going to say. Both v- of them. Value to the team. They, they they already are short starting pitching, man. I know. I mean, they're short pitching, period, but they're supposed to be bad. So if you're short bullpen arms, that's one thing. But they don't have a rotation. Well, I mean, they're going to give a lot of starts to a lot of young kids with a lot to prove. Yeah, sure. So, you know, maybe Michael Copa ends up in your in your bullpen and you just accept that that that's the best thing for him because it just doesn't seem to be grasping the full-on you know intellectual maturity it takes to be a starting pitcher frankly we'll get to some roster things that matter for the Cubs from spring training uh in a bit but Tom Ricketts on Scott Boris Cody Bellinger a Boris response and a comp 
And I got to be honest, you don't love to hear as a Cubs fan. Parkinson Spiegel at the school. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I'm so excited. Welcome back to NBA All-Star Saturday night. Oh, enjoy the dunk contest this weekend. We're here on the Hickory basketball court. You know, the amazing thing is that basketball ring here in Indiana, it's the same height as it is in New York City and every other place in this country. Jimmy, I would say that's a, that's a good dunk. Oh. 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 Yeah, isn't that something? They didn't. Mm. I like it, but that's an in-game dunk. Oh, oh my goodness. He did it too easy that time. I think we I got to see it again. I got to see it again. So your 2024 AT&T Slam Dunk Champ is Matt McClung. All right, give it up one more time, everybody, for your AT&T Slam Dunk Champion. Thank you for that tepid applause. Kenny, I'll begin with you as you canvas tonight. What are your thoughts? Dunk contest, it's a cyclical event. Hmm. Mm. Getting Lascarola tonight. There you go. I'm so excited. The Arbiata, the great dish. Cool. Cool. Cool, cool. One, two, three. And here we go, Tim. Here we go. Here we go, Tim. Here we go, Tony. Parkinson Spiegel Show, afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. So it's been a while since we've been on the air with President's Day weekends. We've had a lot to get to today. How about me sending a text on Sunday morning with like show fodder in the group thread and Tanny going, sir, our show is in 51 hours. <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot we were off yesterday. You forgot we were off yesterday. I did. Yeah. I was show prepping on a Sunday morning. It's good. Let's see. Always be prepping. Yep. Always be prepping. Tanny's got it ready to go what I asked for, too. He's he's just good like that. Of course. Yeah, of course he's does. gonna come through with whatever you need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He had the audio before it happened, by the way. <laughs> he did. It was our guy so Nico. It was our guy Nico judging himself on his radio appearances on our show. Uh, he was on Inside the Clubhouse and they were like, uh, how do you think you've been as a radio guy? How was your year? Uh, lo- le- yeah. <laughs> Why don't we just hear it? Uh, let's hear it. Yeah. It sounded like as, this. Uh, your radio career, you were on the score last year. How would you rate yourself as a as a radio broadcaster? I think it's been enjoyable to listen to. What what what's your own critique on on how you are on the air? <laughs> um, well, it's a lot more fun when when things are going well. I can tell you that much. Um, <laughs> but uh, early in the year, I was I was probably a little stiff. I'm still getting chemistry with the guys. Maybe a little more generic answers. Um, and then I feel like as Things got more more comfortable as the year went on. It was something I really look forward to, and nice to have that you know check in once a week. And looking forward to doing it again this year. You did a terrific job, and we're looking forward to having you part of the station again, Nico, because you do add a lot to the Parkinson Spiegel Show, and we're lucky that you're able to do what you do for us. So, so thank you for that, and thank you for your time this morning. Yeah, thank you guys. Have a good one. Appreciate it, Nico Horner. Look at the look at the teammate chef from Vegas Hawk right good. there. Yeah, that's good stuff. Nico not joining on one of the good apps like Zoom or whenever he just did a phone call for them. See what he does for us? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Way to point that? that out. Just called on the phone. A lot of energy early in the morning. Started out a little stiff. Said then got chemistry with the guys. That's us, man. 
Hey, 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 my God, he knows who we are. It's so cool. He, he was talking us. about Pavel Safera. He, he, he called us the guys. The guys. He clearly knows us. Looking forward to it every and, week. Yeah, no, we, we, I, I mean, heavy hitters this weekend. I know we won't talk about weekend programming that, you know, many more times. Bob Costas was on Saturday Suckage so with, Rosen with Rosenblum. Yeah, I also don't understand, or maybe I should just applaud you for having the self-confidence to label your own show Saturday Suckage. <laughs> Bob, it, it it happened naturally. It was organically. We were not trying to run away. In fact, we do it as a public service. I suck, so you don't have to. Well, so. you know, self, self-awareness is an important step in life, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. Wow. And Costas then questioned, wow, why am I on a show called Saturday Suck It? How about Rosenblum just calling him Bobby? <laughs> Bobby! <laughs> That's great. They've got to know each other. I mean, I years. assume so. They have to. You think he was just on by happenstance? He's got. He's got to know him. He was uh, previewing this thing on Thursday night. This special about Game Seven in 2016. Terry Francona and Joe Madden, alongside Bob Costas, breaking down that Game Seven. It's a funny dynamic. Tito, what'd you think of this game? <laughs> well, I Bad. thought Joe was an idiot, uh, <laughs> and I took advantage of it. Joe, what did you think? I stand by everything yeah, I did. I was going to say, <laughs> Dustin Rhodes is Terry Francona. All right, look, I have a limited palate. Okay? <laughs> All right, we get it. All right, so that's the fun. Because I got to say, did not love these Tom Ricketts comments. It, the Cubs do spend. They have spent to the luxury tax threshold. There is not a guarantee that if you spend, you will win. You can spend poorly, and they don't have unlimited money like the Dodgers. All of those things can be true, but you're still the Cubs. And let's just hear how he talked about Bellinger, the top agent in the sport, comps of other teams. Here's the owner of the Cubs. I don't know. Honestly, don't know. Um, I mean, that's that's in that's up to those guys and. Uh, uh, we're just going to wait until we get serious. I'm like everyone else. We're just waiting, you know, we're waiting for um, whenever, uh, whenever he and his agent are going to engage. And uh, you know, it could be, could be any time now, or it could be a few weeks. We'll just see where it goes. That's the beauty of baseball. Like you don't, you don't have to, you know, necessarily have the highest payroll or the biggest stars. If you're playing well, anybody can beat anybody. And I was happy for the Diamondbacks. I mean, I think they, uh, you know, they're they're a team that was, you know, a well well-constructed team and you know, they play baseball with you know speed and moving runners and good defense and so it's um i was happy for them i just wish they hadn't beat us so many times Ugh. all right so i mean the bellinger stuff is 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 a little bit of a separate entity um for me I, but I, that, I, that stuff there at the end I, drive you crazy comparing himself to the diamondbacks and talking about the luxury tax because because it, it's not even like a straight comparison it's it's, I actually don't think it's fair to say that he's comparing them to the Diamondbacks, and I do want to be fair to him. I think that it is. It almost comes across as envy. It's like, man, they they play that game. They play the game the right way, and and look at what you can do if you just play the right way, and you can and you can get in, and that proves that what you can do is. It's a. It's arguing the exception rather than the rule. And they're David young. Eckstein. They're young and cheap. So his envy is is partially financial, don't you think? 
Absolutely. Because well, that, that, that's the thing. It's that, hey, the Mets spend a ton of money. They're in a disastrous spot. The Red Sox spend a ton of money. They're in a disastrous spot. The Yankees spend a ton of money. They're in a disastrous spot. Not The, the Padres spend a ton of money. They're in a disastrous spot. They're losing money. You can do that. You can win the offseason, but you're not guaranteed to win the actual games. Of course, you turn around and you say, well, the Dodgers or the Rangers or the Phillies. Yeah, the Rangers beat the Diamondbacks. No, I, so I, there you I, go. I know. I, I know. He doesn't sound very much like John Middleton there, the Phillies owner who tells Bryce Harper to his face, you're underpaid. Yeah. Who goes out and, and gets one after another. After and the only another. reason that I do think that they are a little related is he's like, I don't want to undercut my GM by talking to Scott Boris. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. I do. You want him to undercut his GM? I want you, if that's what it takes to get the job done with the top A-list free agents, I don't want Jed to say he's worth $22 million and you go out and give him $27 million and undercut him in that way, but like, Having a policy to not talk to the super agent who represents the super players because that undercuts your GM. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't talk to Scott. I got to be honest. Like, I don't talk to Scott. I, I don't. And then Scott fired back for anybody who missed it. Um, Patrick Mooney reached out and Boris said, "Free agency is about recruiting players. It's the normal owner's signature move to be involved in the efforts of recruiting players." And reaching out to me so I can convey to the player the ownership of the team covets them. That is the essence of free agency, and it is a custom and practice for ownership to express commitment and involvement. When Cody was a free agent last year, the Cubs engaged and were very aggressive in their pursuit, and their process is no different this year. So I am not clear as to what Tom is suggesting. Well, and we know that Tom Ricketts <laughs> has been at free agent recruitment dinners. Right? We, we, he, he was at the, uh, the first Shohei one. He was at... I think he was there with Lester. Like he he has been present at big free agent pitches before to show ownership's commitment and interest before. So I he is not like completely he he is an empowering owner and he funnels all the resources that the team yeah. makes back into the team. So he's a great owner in that respect, but he also can be hands-on when it's interested and required for him to be there. Uh, yes. And and he's certainly done that with players. And I'm sure he's done that with some agents who he doesn't perceive as trying to undermine him. Right. Scott Boris tries to undermine everybody to just get the most for his client. And he's totally cool with it in those comments right there. He's trying to bait Tom I felt like he was trying to bait Tom to call him. Like, you know, like, hey, what do you mean you don't know what I'm suggesting? That then they have a conversation. He'd be, Boris would love if that baits Tom to get involved. And also, this is the, the, the smallest of potatoes, but it is Scott Boris's job to, if Jed says no on something. To go higher. To go higher. Oh, he's great at his job. Yeah, because, like, just, I know that my agent has pissed off people here yeah. before. By going higher up than he's like supposed to go, mm-hmm. and I I love it. They hate it. It <laughs> lends to at least to some contentious moments, and then all of a sudden you get a new deal, and then you Wait, shake hands. You get a million dollar deal, and you and you and you keep it moving. I, I laughed because this morning I was I like. I was listening to the Rickett stuff, show prep, and I'm like, you know what? I should look at what GMs or owners are saying in some of the other markets where they're in the standoff with Boris, you know? And then that's what Kenny Rosenthal wrote this morning. 
is exactly that, where he talked to, you know, he included, uh, you know, Chris Young's quotes in Texas, Ross Atkins in in Toronto, Farhan Zaidi in, in San Fran, all these people who are in the standoff with Boris. This is just the nature of it. This is the timing of it. And it, it it's interesting to me because Cody Bellinger's not a perfect target. He's not a perfect player for spending long term on. And yeah, they, but the perfect target also they haven't gotten those guys either. Well, they got Swanson last year. They haven't yeah, got. But that was not a per. I mean, you I didn't you. want him. Well, like, you know what I mean. Like that, that was, that was, that was they, the third or fourth guy in that market. They, I'm saying they they paid a lot of a lot of money for him, but it's yeah, like but the, the 300 million, the, the top 15 contracts in the sport have not been given out by Cubs. I think Cody Bellinger is worth paying a bunch, but not too much. And yeah. I think and I think that's where they are. And so I agree. This is this is the standoff, and and this you're you're listening to it. To it play out. You're listening to the the game of chicken play out in audio form, and it's and it's a weird thing because they will swear to you that they spend every dollar that they generate and make on the team, but that they don't lose money. That they don't like shoot to. They're not willing to choose to lose money. Mm-hmm. Some years they might lose a little. Some years they might make a little. But like in the aggregate, they are trying to break even with it. And then you look at where they are for payroll this year. They're ninth in the sport. They're spending $188 million on payroll with clearly some room to add, as evidenced by we think that they're going to get Bellinger and they keep some in reserve for ads at the deadline if they end up being aggressive. So my guess is their payroll will be north of $200 million this year. And we know it's a good farm system and a well-run organization top to bottom. So I wish they had Steve Cohen money. Or the Dodgers TV deal, but they have neither. So this, to me, this actually, while the messaging can be messy, and I don't love the Boris comments or the the Diamondbacks envy, I still, at the end of the day, come out with, it's probably about as good of ownership as you could hope for without having one of those handful of rich hobbyists, as you call them, who is willing to lose $50 million a year. Willing to lose 50 or $80 million, or eight, whatever it is, like, and willing to tear the whole thing apart every couple of years, that's, if need be. It, it would be better to have – I'm not saying he's the best owner in the sport or anything like that. He isn't. But he's not pocketing profit from revenue every year and – keep you know what i mean like yeah. and by the way but i don't i don't know because we don't get to see the books so I, there's I, a lot of people that think i know that, that he is that he won he won his ring and now he's just trying to pocket but it i don't think, I, that I think that's i don't think that that's evidenced by where they are in payroll in baseball and you look at the teams who are spending above them and that they have paid the luxury tax before i just i i don't think that that is i think it's founded in cynicism i don't think it's founded in logic or data I think it's um, – I understand where you're coming from. I also think it's it's too simplistic to look at a strategy and not realize that, you know, insuring yourself with the constant supply of cheap young talent is 100% the best thing you could do. Right. It's why – even though the Nationals went over the top to pay for people, they were able to replace Bryce Harper with Juan Soto, and that's how they won. You know, that particular year. But they they went over the top when the time was right. The question is, are the Cubs ready to go over the top and get way into the tax? I thought maybe, 
But they seem to think, and may, I don't know how much of this is Tom and how much of it is legit Jed strategy, we can win with just maybe Bellinger at our price, or we can win in this crap-ass division. That's the thing we that I can, hate. Well, I, I think that it's clear that they want to try and win the division, and they're comparing themselves against the other teams in their division, and they're trying to be the big market behemoth of the division and not necessarily traffic with the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Mets and the Red Sox. And well, the if, Dodgers are eighth in payroll right now, and they're ninth. Okay. So you know what I mean? Well, but that's now, only because they're they're deferring the crazy amount that they are. Correct. And they're still a, a solid 20-something million behind them. But but they're, there's, there's strategic sensibility in choosing to be the best in your division and not hampering yourself for years to come. The Yankees right now, by the way, if they wanted to pay, Rosenthal had this in there, if they wanted to pay, say, Blake Snell $40 million, because of where they are on the tax, it would actually cost $83 million. So it's like an extra extra $43 million because they're up at that line. Is it their moment to do it? Maybe. They might still do it because they want to strike while the iron's hot and Toronto's coming and Baltimore's is here already. Yeah. But the Cubs, I think, believe that they can hang in the division with Craig Council coaching them up. And they probably can. I think they can. But you want to be – I the Cubs – should not take advantage of geographic luck that they don't have another huge spender within their division. They need to hold themselves to the standards of the Braves and the Dodgers. I That I don't think we should accept. But spend smartly? 12, In, intelligent spending, baby. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is reasonable when you don't have the Dodgers' money and you don't have a guy who's got $20 billion in the sure. bank and is just playing around with a toy. So so let me ask you this. So Bellinger, for five years at $200 million or whatever, let's say it's that, or six at $200 or whatever. Like, so is that intelligent spending for a guy who's a little bit complicated as a profile in terms of the power and that stuff? When you have outfielders coming, especially PCA, you've locked up left field and right field for a couple of years here, and you just traded for a first baseman who's 26, and you have other possibilities coming up, do you spend, you know, five, six years and lock yourself into a guy who you don't completely love? I think strategically, I understand the no. I understand the hard line of what you're going to, of drawing that line. But then it needs to be something else. Because this team As a, wasn't good enough with Cody Bellinger. Yep. So how are they better without him just because they added Craig Council? And this team with their farm system, their payroll, their place within the division, the number of years it's been since they won a division in a full season, mm-hmm. they need to be a competitive start-to-finish team this year. You see where Council said that the teams that have finished better than expectations in his experience are the ones where a bunch of young players exceed their individual expectations. And he believes, and Jed believes, that with them combined now, they're going to get more out of a bunch of these young people. It's fine to say that Bellinger's not the perfect guy for the moment. Okay, fine. But then you're going young in center and first and third with an incomplete starting rotation? That's not acceptable. There, it's not like there are no holes on the team where you could figure out a way to spend either in free agency mm-hmm. or by acquiring a, a veteran expensive piece through a trade. You know, there, there are ways to upgrade this team that are not 
Cody Bellinger centric. And then you say, well, maybe they don't like Matt Chapman. It's like, okay, well then, what? What not? What about Blake Snell? What about trading for someone? You know, I yep. I do think that they have an obligation to add a significant piece to this team soon. A few a few free agents have signed, but we're still in high nineties in terms of the number of viable free agents. And a lot, some big names and some medium names still out there, and they may wait a couple of weeks longer here in baseball's broken off season. So they are not alone in this standoff. I got some information that uh, Rosie does not know, Bob Costas. And oh, that, really? That was just good producing. That's what I. That's what I've been told. That's what I've been told. Oh, really? So Bob Costas, heavy hitters, uh, on the weekend. I love that he found out on the air then that he was going on a show called Saturday Suckage. That's tremendous. That must have just been a real situation for Bob Costas. It's a great book. Did you listen to the whole thing, Tanny? I, I bet it was great. He's always good, Costas. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's no way it was bad. It's impossible. Back to things that matter. We have an update on a position for the Cubs at spring training. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Honored to be on their show earlier today. Danny and Matt do an excellent job interviewing people. Afternoons on the score. Bellinger leads at second, Swanson away from first. And the one-two, swinging a drive toward right center. Back goes Robert, back near the stands. That ball is gone. A game-winning home run for Chris Morrell. Can you believe it? Listen to this crowd. The most exciting player on the Cubs. The best baseball moment in town of last season. Yeah. My God. Yeah, that was awesome. That was outrageous. He's probably the most popular Cub, though. Don't you think? He's probably the fan favorite, even if there are better players on the team. I he, think he gets more of a pure fan reaction. He's got that Javi Baez flair and smile and, like, springy athleticism. And he does unpredictable things. He does. Sometimes not for the better. It's an adventure with him out there. But he stills on the team. He was not traded for Pete Alonzo. He was not traded for Corey Kluber. He was not traded uh, for anyone. Mm. It was. It was. He was always rumored, but never really sourced. It was just, oh, I wonder what you could get for Christopher Morrell. Yeah. Wonder if they, what they'd be willing to do. And Craig Council, new Cubs manager at spring training, addressed what the new plan is for Morrell and the Cubs. I think we'll. Probably, I think there'll be some first base for Chris, but I think, you know, I'd like to see him on third base, I think, to start camp. Um, and look, you know, it's, it's, you know, Christopher's done so much with the bat that it's our job <laughs> to figure out the best way to deploy him, right? And um, it's, uh, you know, Bruce and I were having this conversation earlier. It's, it's, to say he can play a lot of positions, yes. We have to play that at a certain level that it that it makes sense for the bat to be in there, right? Um, and we've got to, and it is harder to play multiple positions, no question about it. Um, at this point, with you know players around Chris, you know we've we've asked him to move around, right? Um, so I think my my idea at the start of camp is to kind of focus mainly at third base. Um, let's see where we're at. Let's evaluate that as we go. Um, but let's give him a chance at third base, and let's give him some consistency at third base. See where we're at kind of roster-wise at, at some point in camp, and then and then go forward from there. Love it. Listen. Th- 39 innings for Morrell at third last year. They, this organization, has completely botched 
a defensive plan for Christopher Morrell. Last year, he started the year in AAA. They've botched their evaluation of him overall because he's continued to exceed expectations. He played center field every game at Iowa and hit, what, 18 homers in the month or 16 homers, whatever it was. And so he's playing center field. Then he came up. There were no center field games available. That's not good continuity. In the offseason, the offseason began. Remember they said, we'd like him to play first base. He yeah. went to the Winter League to Aguilas. We all have Aguilas hats. I brought them for you guys. So he, he went thank to Thank you for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. They said, we want him to play first base. They're not in control of what the Winter League manager does. They sent coaches down to work with him. But then the Winter League manager's like, I'd rather have him at third. So they played him at third. So that plan of having him play first base didn't work. During the year last year, David Ross was asked, what's his best position? He said, DH. Remember? And then well, at one point they said second base, but they don't have second base options available because of Nico Horner. No, they, they have not been able to figure it out. Craig Council is new. And Craig Council has a very good eye for player development. He used to be a front office guy in Milwaukee. When he says that that is a good idea, it has long been the best idea. I was screaming for it last year. Madrigal and Wisdom, they gave Madrigal this defensive plan to go learn third base. Morell should have been on that plan because of his possibilities and what's he, what he brings. Maybe, it's a t- it, it's maybe a t- they know something. Maybe Jed thinks something or thinks he knows something about Morell that scares him because like they wanted to trade, trade him and stuff. But here he is, and Council understandably is saying, let's try him at third and really give him a fair shake. I, I'm fine with all of that. They would just have to be very wrong about him because the whole thing was they have a lot of pitchers who don't miss bats. They have ground ball pitchers. They pitch to contact. Yep. And third base, you know this, it's not an easy position. It is a premium defensive position. So they their strength was defense up the middle. Defense, and so pitcher, sure. pitchers pitching to contact to pull right-handed hitters who would hit the ball on the ground, uh-huh. that's a liability if he's not good at it. So what the only thing that concerns me about this is that they're too late to it for they're two years too late to pick a single position and make him work his ass off of the single position that's what for and for this year's team like this team needs to be good in april i don't want to watch him like learn on the job when he could have been having this it, it would feel like a little bit of a wasted opportunity of years past for them to get to this point i completely agree that based on what you have currently with your big league club it's the spot that makes the most sense. But is it the like if, if you traded him to an expansion team, is that the place they would put him? Or are they putting They'd him? put him in a corner outfield. They, they, so they, that's they, what, they, they'd put him in left or maybe even right because he has the athleticism. So maybe they'd train him to play right. Cubs have those spots filled. So so it's not the best spot for Morell. It's the best spot for Morell with the Cubs, which leads you to think his value might have been bigger to a different team than it is to yours. That is where I'm at with Morrell. He's incredibly exciting. He's valuable. You want the bat in the lineup if he's going to be here. But he isn't a third baseman. He hasn't shown anything to prove that he can be a third baseman. He doesn't baseman. have a single spot. He's not a center fielder. Um, he's he's a DH, and it feels crazy to have an athlete like that um, be just a DH. But that's probably what he's going to have to be. The problem is... 
you'd like to use the DH spot to be a little more flexible. Right. You want right, of course. Give Suzuki a day there, you know, give Bellinger a day there if you sign him. But so give give somebody else a day there. Some guys just are blocked. Some guys are just blocked. Okay, you want to have flexibility at DH. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. He'd be a corner outfielder, but you've got guys there already in Saya and Hap. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Okay, his best infield position is second base. You've got a gold glover at second base. Who's, I agree. Uh, so he's just blocked here. Well, you know what I wonder? They should have traded him. Well, I... that, that, that's, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. His value is highest when people think that he can do anything and yeah. he's youngest and cheapest. And he's youngest and cheapest. Maybe because now, he's young and cheap and because the idea is like, oh, he can play a lot of positions, but he can't really play most of them very and, well. And so if their initial scout on him was correct that he isn't a third baseman and they're doing it now because third base is the position that they have open because they didn't go get Chapman. They didn't trade for fill in the blank other player. That is not doing it because it's in the best position, the best interest of Christopher Morrell. That's just, Oh, this is where we have an opening. No, cause it's a competitive window and they have to try and, and find a spot for him. But then he's more valuable to someone else than he is to you. Well, it, it hasn't, it hasn't happened so far. It's, I wonder run, they're just running a risk. If he, if he isn't the third baseman that decreases his value. I wonder if two years ago, if council had been here and was involved in every decision, the way that Jed has talked about, and if he had a full understanding of Christopher Morrell, I, I don't I don't think it would have been quite as chaotic as it has been. You know, I, I don't know that council would have seen the offensive potential, but they have not done Morell any favors by bouncing him all around from center to this idea of first and now this idea of third after playing all over the place in the minors. And I, it sure does seem to me that if you're going to put him at third and say, let's teach him, let's teach him, let's teach him, they should have been doing it all off season. should have been doing it, you know, like every day of the off season, whatever the hell Madrigal learned to do, you know, Morell can't learn to do that. I find that hard to believe. I know he's got a funky arm angle, um, but you can work on those kind of things. It's just they really haven't given him a chance at any specific spot, and I, I blame and, them. And the thing is, when I say they should have traded him, I also am the guy who for two years has been saying this team does not have enough power. So you lose Morell and you don't bring back Bellinger, you really don't have enough power. Mm-hmm. So they're in a they're in a they need him. They 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 need him. Their 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 lineup needs his pop. Texter brings up a point that I also was thinking about. The killer was signing Hap and locking left field in with an average player with no power. Hap's been an all-star, he's been a gold glover, but it's not a premium defensive position. Yeah, you, a lot of people just want to leave left field as someplace you can teach a bat that you find or someplace you can hide somebody. He's he's a terrific left fielder. You lived this in Kansas City with Alex Gordon, right? Yeah, yeah. They signed him to an extension and, and locked him in there. I'm sure it was a bumpy ride at times yeah. with the public with but Alex he became, Gordon. He became excellent. Y- yes, uh, but it's still not a not considered a, a premium position. Hap has to hit better and with more power. Yes. He has to, to make that seem valuable. Yeah. And he had, he always, he's streaky. He has, he has stretches of it, but yeah, he, he, they're good at, I like in terms of right field, second, short center in terms of, and then hopefully first, we'll see about Michael Bush, but in terms of like feeling comfortable about in terms the, of defense or in terms of, in terms of like the next three to five years of feeling like they've got their guy at that position 
where I feel pretty co- comfortable that they could not, they're not going to upgrade or look to upgrade. And you just talked about center and first base, which is all part of why they have this line drawn in the sand for Bellinger. I know, but Bellinger, yes, but Bellinger also, it is likely that one of the two of them won't hit. That's just the, the odds say that either PCA or Michael Bush will not become what they need. So Bellinger is really nice insurance in that he can cover either one. Oh, PCA has been good. Great. Bush is struggling. Play Bellinger at first. Bush is raking. PCA is struggling. Great. Mm-hmm. Play, play Bellinger in center. He, he is really nice insurance for both of those young pieces. As we do things that matter from spring training, there's going to be a lot of stuff about like council decisions that might be a little different than what the plans have been for certain players. That's Good. the stuff. That's the stuff that really fascinates me. Like what is going to be the effect? Cause they're asking a lot of him. They're expecting a lot of him and all of baseball is. So this is one right away, locking in Christopher Morell at third base for the moment. It's certainly partially due to playing time, but also maybe Craig can, can help him settle in there. And he, that's a guy who played a bunch of different positions during his career. Absolutely. So he, he should be able to relate to him on the difficulties uh, of that for sure. Can we be solution-oriented to a problem a big sport is facing? Next on The Score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Been a long four hours. Afternoons on The Score. Um, That's a good, great question. Um, I think for me it's an all-star game, so I don't think it, it, I will ever look at it like being super competitive. It's always fun. Um, but I don't know what they can do to make it more competitive. I don't know. I think everyone looks at it. It's, it's like a, it's a break. So I don't think nobody want to come here and compete. <laughs> I'm so glad you chose to play Anthony Edwards. That is Anthony Edwards, one of the faces and best young players in the league. Who was an absolute emotional no-show in that game. I was thinking, I actually bet him to possibly win MVP. Because I thought it was him and Halliburton. Yeah, were were, were my two my two picks. Because oh, like, man, you had a nice sweat with Halliburton. Yeah, nice sweat with Halliburton. It was it was possible, but like Edwards is a young, high flyer, super energetic, fun, great personality actor. Like I thought, man, and this is your first time starting an All Star game. You should want to take this stage, and he just didn't give a crap at all. It's like a, it's a break, so I don't think nobody want to come here and compete. <laughs> It's, it's, a, it's a huge bummer, as if guys suffer devastating injuries playing basketball with any regularity. It's a really weird thing. And I love the NBA so much, but it this is not good. Why did they, the, the, why did they go back? I, I don't know, but I'm not even but like the load management thing is not good. The 65 game requirement being needed to, to hit for a player, like the perception that the regular season doesn't matter and that the guys coast and only play hard in the playoffs, that is a dangerous thing for for the league in in the big picture. And this all star game and the conversation around it doesn't help. And it is the most watched event so far this year in the NBA that just happened. And it was panned and mocked by the commissioner and panned by everybody who watched it. So what do you do? Well, but let me, let me react real quick Because I, I got a few things to throw good, at you for good. possible solutions. So I, go ahead. I just want to back up because, I, as I mentioned, living alone for a few days here, Yeah, I watched Adam Silver's media availability, okay, before yeah. the All-Star game. He thought it was going to be better. He thought it was going to be better, but even the way the people asked him questions, they said, can you tell us why you're going back to this without using the word traditional or tradition? Because apparently that has been the crutch that he's been saying. Because 
I don't get why they bailed on all these weird ideas they were doing in terms of the draft and the Elam ending. The All-Star Game, much like the in-season tournament, should be a thing that you throw crazy ideas at. Agreed. So I think terrible... Terrible mindset from him. So he's under, underwhelmed. Point the thumb. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I, I, th- I think one of the things that they didn't like that someone had to be picked last in the drafting of the okay. players. But, but that's really. Okay. But that's but that's dumb and soft also. Okay. But you could change I, the game without changing that. If you I want. don't like the idea of home field advantage in the finals going to the winner of the All Star game. I think that is stupid. That's too much at stake for. A meaningless exhibition. I didn't even know that was on uh, on the possibility. I mean, list. it was a thing in baseball. Yeah. It, it, it's been it was, it's, it was bad. It, in baseball. It, it was bad in baseball. It's it's been thrown out as a potential idea. I, I think no. I think that is way too extreme in the other direction. I mean, no. Um, money. It worked for the in season tournament. I think that if you always have to throw money at, like two hundred grand to players on the winning team, seventy five grand to guys on the losing team, just to pull numbers out. How much more money? Like these guys have three hundred million dollar, two hundred million dollar contracts. Uh-huh. Like, like, is that it? But it worked. It seemed to work for the in season tournament. Yeah. So I don't know. They could connect it to a charity if they want, which they had done. Mm-hmm. The All Star Game in Chicago. It was, you know, you win the first quarter, your team gets a ch- yeah, charity. That's like, right. Yeah. I don't know. Why did they stop that I, stuff? I, I I don't know. Tradition. I I I think so. Tradition. I don't know. Tradition. A, Thank you. What about? <laughs> What about some good old-fashioned shame? Good old-fashioned shame? He nailed that right he there. Did. Absolutely. Shame. That's my nickname. Good Call old, me old-fashioned. Good old Shame. <laughs> Who was that who said, call me old-fashioned? Alan Robinson. Oh, the yeah, Jimmy Kimmel right. bit. That's yes. right. Yes. But I got I, I got uh, hooked on uh, Fiddler on the... Fiddler? Fiddler on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell is the Fiddler on the roof? Fiddler on the roof. A blessing on your head. Mazel tov. Mazel call tov. me old-fashioned. You know. <laughs> Like, literally, like, I mean it. Call me old-fashioned. That's my new nickname. (laughs) (laughs) Old-fashioned Shane. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, you're fine. Go ahead, man. Old-fashioned Shane. Got it. My bad. Oh, okay. What if, what if they can, I'm sure this is impossible. What if Michael Jordan coached the Eastern Conference All-Stars and Magic Johnson coached the Western Conference All-Stars? You think that would make a difference? Get out there and, like, you going to embarrass yourself in front of Michael Jordan? They embarrass themselves in front of Oscar Robertson and Bill Walton. But he's on the bench. He is your coach. Hmm. You you call them out. Interesting. This is not the MVP award is named after Kobe Bryant. This is not Mamba mentality. Like like actually shame them. <laughs> like like like, like, like make, make guys Good who who, who they respect. Yeah, get Allen Iverson. Get Dirk, yeah. Get Shaq, because like, like, they're all talking talking trash. Can we get Bob Ryan out there too? But but get but like but it can't it can't be guys that they don't care about. It can't be media guys, and it's got and it's got to be to them. Like I I also like the idea, uh, and this is a little complicated with gambling, but and I know this will maybe elicit some of my envelope uh, field oh, position. Is there a roll top desk? No, not, not a real time. But every every player yeah. has two jerseys no. printed, and 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 in the pregame, uh-huh. the team is selected. It's selected there. 
and then five minutes later you're playing the game. Well, I would love that. So, so it's so it's not done on TNT days before or whatever. So you have to you have to be standing there. Mm. You walk over here. You walk over here, and you've got to see in the arena oh, yeah. the body language of. Oh, he's picking me first. He's picking me last. He's going with my teammate. He's going with my ex-teammate. And you have to publicly shame these uh, well, guys. That would that would be great. That's That'd what I'm great. saying. Like, I, but but, I, but, but if, th- if these they guys are competitive people. But they got but rid they of that. But they act like they are not competitive, and it pisses me off. They got rid of that in terms of like a television event. I can't imagine they'd go for it right there. I'm on not the court. saying that these solutions are possible. I'm saying. How do you get guys who have hundreds of millions of dollars in fully guaranteed contracts where all of their peers are taking vacations yeah. to Cabo to care about a 48-minute exhibition game in Indianapolis? Also, mm-hmm. don't do it on a weekend. Do it on, like, a Thursday night. More people are in front of their TVs on a Thursday night than they are on a Saturday. Oh, that's interesting. Do it on a weeknight. Mm. But so much of, like, All-Star Weekend for, like, the players and the legends to attend is the... The parties, then and, do it on and, a Monday and, night and the hang, and do the skill stuff and the dunk on the Saturday or the Sunday, like Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and then have whatever event you deem to be the most important. Mm-hmm. Do that on Monday on night, a better like, TV night, like NCAA national championship. Yeah, hey, that's hey, not that's not a bad idea. Is Shane sunrise, sunset? I, sunset. Th- thank you. Whew. Good, almost good left film. me hanging. Good almost film. left me hanging on Fiddler. Yeah, sorry right about there. that. I tried to see how deep I could. Good go. musical. Let's do Hairspray tomorrow. <laughs> Good work it in. This town hall is going to be quite Efforting something. John Travolta. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Town hall tomorrow. Oh, yeah. We should weigh in on the uh, Fields v. Caleb debate. I don't think anyone's done that yet. It's right? Our, it's our turn. We'll be, the, we'll be the first ones. It's the listener's turn to have Aurelio's pizza and tell us their thoughts. Olin Krutz at 5 o'clock. A bunch of QB experts uh, back-to-back at 3 o'clock. Mark Grody's going to be there in person in the 4 o'clock hour. we got some surprises planned. Uh, the winner of the Daytona 500 was on the show today. He was really fun. Enjoyed him. And his name is William Byron. There we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. I wanted to say Byron Williams. Uh, and I knew who's that. Who's the president? Wa- Byron. Who? Byron. Byron. Say what's up to Byron. What's up, Byron? I just knew that wasn't his the His name answer. was Robert Paulson. Thank you to Conor O'Donnell. Rest in peace, William Byron. <laughs> Kevin Lapka, Twitch chat, video stream. Thank you, sir. Shane Rudin, our executive producer. Thank you, sir. Chris Tannehill making us sound better than we are each and every day. For Matt Spiegel, I'm Danny Parkins. We are Parkins and Spiegel. This is the score. This has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had. I think they're very respectful. They hear, but they don't listen. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.
We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.